0: What's
1: that book
2: you've been reading about? It's about heroes who get to go on adventures, defeat the monsters, and save the day.
1: Little boys from the south side of Chicago, the only tourist that get to do that. This story is about my father. And the secret birthright that's been kept from us. You're going after it me in the
3: car' the He's there, okay? this is family business family stay
0: together Bad for my I'm scared for myself just because they don't want you here doesn't mean you're not supposed to be just gotta get away
2: this is an invitation to unmitigated
1: power what in the hell did I go wrong with you boy I told you to stay away from that damn place. There's something here. Just trying to get out.
3: Everything is where and as it should be. From God to man to creature. Hello, welcome once again to A Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, the podcast, featuring or I should say focusing on the HBO television series where we will critique and review and dissect each episode of the TV series weekly. Now, I am Philip from the state of New Hampshire, in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I am fine, Phil. How are you? I'm doing all right. And in the Commonwealth of Virginia? This is Barrett. Hey.
2: (laughs) Barrett, how are you, sir? Good. How are you doing? Do you know where you are, Barrett? I do.
3: Okay. Just checking. Just checking. Hey, it was just a long and,
2: pause. It was dramatic. There
3: you go. And uh, someone I'm giving a little hard time to uh, from the state of Missouri. Hi, this is Kevin. Kevin, how's it going, sir?
0: I'm doing just ducky.
3: Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so uh, this is our second episode of the podcast. The first episode was uh, our premiere episode, basically, wondering and discussing what we think the show was going to be about. Now it we're recording this on August eighteenth, twenty twenty, uh which is two days after the actual premiere of the T V show which came out on eight or August sixteenth, twenty twenty. So uh we're gonna talk about that a little bit. Uh before we do any of that, uh where folks can find us Uh, On the internet and whatnot, Uh, we can be found at darkdiscussions.com, which is the Dark Discussions Network. This podcast is uh, part of that network. Uh, Go check that website out where you can find uh, dozens of other podcasts, including uh, articles, reviews, uh, things of that nature that are um, basically, uh, you know, if you know Dread Central, we're basically there with uh, podcasts as well. Uh, also, uh, we have an email at darkdiscussions@aol.com, or just click on the contact us button on the website. Uh, we do have a Patreon where there's a big Patreon button you could press that. It'll bring us to or bring you to to patreon.com/backslash/darkdiscussions, and uh, you can donate to the podcast uh, for. Any amount of money that you donate for every $5, specifically, we will do an episode on Dark Discussions Podcast on the movie that you choose, basically a genre film. Uh, There's a chance that we will pick it. Every quarter we pick a film out of a hat. And uh, basically if you, say, do $15 per month or just one month, uh, then you would have three entries. And those entries can be three different films or uh, three of the same film and uh every quarter we we do an episode uh we appreciate any help that you would want to give us because uh we do have a lot of fees on uh hosting and software and all that to get it to to look like it is looking today uh we just relaunched the site over the weekend it went live on uh, the 16th of august uh and people can go check that out um also uh we have a facebook group called dark discussions podcast facebook group where you can discuss everything and everything including lovecraft country uh where our podcast a travel guide to lovecraft country is located and uh, we do have a twitter which is dark discussion one dark discussion one uh all right so that's pretty much all the the housekeeping and uh before we get into anything uh, anybody have any lovecraftian information or news they wanted to share with us before we begin our discussion of episode one of the tv series
1: yeah i will mention that uh if anyone is interested obviously this is the first uh podcast you want to be checking out uh after watching lovecraft country but there is an official podcast also that aired that comes out the day after each episode they plug it, uh, at the end of the episode after the credits, if you missed it, um, given that that is by, uh, includes one of the writers on the show, uh, and two people of color who are doing it, there may be something you might want to check out to hear a different perspective, uh, than ours.
3: All right. Very good. Yes. Uh, I had no idea that, uh, that happened, uh, but that's good. It looks like, uh, uh, most of the folks, uh, behind this, Besides the author of the the original novel are people of color so i 'm sure that will uh pepper in all our discussions. Um, this last episode, this new episode uh, was called Sundown uh, It was directed by Jan demange and uh, screenplay by Misha Green Misha Green is the showrunner and uh, we mentioned before she worked on Sons of Anarchy among other uh, stuff and uh, so she 's a uh, been in the business for a while uh Jan Demage is actually a frenchman um and uh he is known for uh the dead set television series, which was that british uh f- kind of found footage that is like uh, I forget uh the name of the show that it's kind of focusing on, but it's basically a bunch of people that live in a house on a reality t v show and what happens is a zombie infection comes out and it's broadcast live or something. I haven't seen it, but it gets really good reviews, and I think it's now on Am- uh, Netflix, actually. Um, and that's pretty much all I, I got about uh, the people behind this. Uh, as I said before, original air date was August 16, 2020, and it had, based off of Wikipedia. U.S. viewers, uh, 760,000 people watched it. Uh, I guess live and uh, basically not necessarily live live or when the hour that the show was live, if people started it anytime in that hour, they would be included in this number of 760,000. Obviously uh, that'll probably rise based off of uh, people watching it a few days later and such. Um, And that's pretty much all I got. Um, the show is generally getting uh, favorable reviews on Rotten Tomatoes uh, and various other outlets. Uh, about 97% uh, good reviews based off of, uh, I guess, the one to four episodes, I'm sure, that they were able to look at um, it, you know, for review prior to its actual release. Uh, and that's out of 76 reviews. All right, so I guess we can uh, get into uh, what we thought about the episode, uh, so let's start with you, Mike.
1: Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. This is going to sound weird. It reminded me a bit of the first episode of Supernatural. Um, so, in in this regard, um, it's a, I'm guessing a longer than normal episode, because it's about an hour and, like, nine minutes. Um... But there's a lot of the episode that sets it up. So in the first episode of Supernatural, like the first half of the show is just introducing the characters and the basic concept of the universe. And then they kind of get in like a little mini episode that with them dealing with a guest a ghost rather at the second half of the episode to show you what the series is going to be like. And I think that's probably what a lot of this was, where there's a lot of setup for the first half hour or thirty five minutes of the show, um, before you get to the parts that I think is going to be more typical where you get to the actual horror portion of the show. Um, I think there was a lot of sharp writing, um, especially in in terms of the dialogue, uh, some interesting themes, which we'll talk about a few things that I'm pretty sure were call outs to other, uh, genre, uh, uh, genre fiction and, um, and honestly, I thought the ending uh, was was absolutely riveting, uh, and and as close to frightening as I'm going to get off of a TV series. All
3: right, very good. Um, okay, so uh, I'll go next. Uh, yeah, actually, I kind of liked it. I I wasn't I have to disagree with Mike. I I wasn't scared much at all because I mean the three main characters, at least in the first episode, were going to have plot armor, so I wasn't too worried about what happened to them. I,
1: I, I get, I'll address that. I, I, Uh, I'll I'll explain why I wasn't sure everybody was going to survive.
3: Oh, okay. Very well. Um, Yeah, so I I pretty much figured that none of the lead characters are going to die. I mean, they're listed in the main credits for a good period, um, and and they're promoted as as three leads. Um, There are some scary moments uh, that aren't related to horror, science fiction at all, and that was more of the interdynamics between – uh, folks, um, and that would be the racism that that's in here, and that that was most certainly scary. But for specifically as a horror, I, I didn't I didn't think the the horror elements were really that scary, uh, meaning the supernatural and so forth. Um, I did have a, a number of nitpicks uh, that I think were possibly uh, mistakes uh, in the screenplay uh, or or things that were missed, and uh, I'll bring them up, but. Uh, they they just I usually don't bring up nitpicks, but these these kind of like were like light bulb over my head when I was watching. Uh, and again, some of these may I just may have missed something and I'll bring them up as we discuss uh, during the episode. Um, uh, the acting was uh, fantastic. Uh, the period piece. Uh, I really did believe i felt uh, i felt that this was the nineteen fifties which is I believe when this show is supposed to take place right after the korean War and uh it, it definitely uh felt that uh the the costume design the set pieces uh the vehicles every everything uh was fantastic um, i didn 't feel it was preachy we mentioned in our preview episode that we thought maybe there could be a couple of issues here or there where that could happen. And and so far the first episode, I I didn't feel that. Um, uh, It was really more uh, mystical realism, I felt, um, or dark fantasy rather than horror or even science fiction. So um, that's really not my uh, genre, but but, uh, I did appreciate it more uh, than a lot of, Fantasy and mystical realism television. Uh, And I felt it was as as good as something like True Blood, which I enjoyed tremendously, uh, or Supernatural for that matter, as you brought up, Mike. So uh, I don't know if I give it a high recommend because I I think it's a limited type of audience, but uh, it's definitely a a solid uh, debut and uh, something that uh, I'm looking forward to uh, future episodes. Uh, Let's go with you, Kevin.
0: Yeah, uh, well, first of all, I'll just let you know, I am going through the book as well. So I'm probably, you're probably going to hear the in the book, in the book, in the book, book, book from me a couple times uh, during this podcast. But um, I like the show. It kind of brings some very harsh realities to home for me. Well, I wouldn't say to home, but bring some very harsh realities to light. Uh, you know, yes, we hear about, you know, segregation, and we hear about, you know, Jim Crow laws and just how awful blacks were treated back at that time. Um, and honestly, I, I thought that, I mean, maybe my history must have been askew, but I thought the North was better than that. I I really had a, because, I mean, I think all of us, well maybe not bear it but i mean i grew up in the north i grew up in upstate new york where i did too <laughs> yeah i mean racism was like nothing up there it it didn't happen you know and you, if any and if it did they, those people were shunned and it was like very small numbers of people that would do anything stupid like that and it's it. I mean, there were times, I mean, now some of the stuff that we, you know, that we, um, that we saw last night on TV were also in the book. Uh, anything minor from the one guy that was trying to make monkey noise as well. Uh, the, the main character Atticus was eating banana. I mean, that was in the book. Um, things like that. But, uh, but I mean, like I said, it just, I'm very. I was I was angry uh, a few times um, and also slightly embarrassed for for being thinking that the north wasn't that bad, but the north was that bad. Uh, I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just uh, that that kind of hit me. Um, That hit me hard. And I really Well, Kevin, that's 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 a fair point, Uh, though.
3: I mean. Whether or not you saw it or not, it could have been there for sure. But, again, this is the 1950s, so... Right. Well, we oh, were I born, know. right?
0: Oh, right. And the thing is, is that, for I mean, for example, like, I think all... I mean, we all grew up at a time where Jim Crow, you know, was just something in the history book, you know. Black people, you know, only having to stay in the back of the bus. To me, to us, that's, that's just history. Uh, when people who are, you know, our grandparents' age, you know, they lived through that... But like I said, I always thought that it was more something that you that you wouldn't see in the north. And I think that's the part that that I was not expecting uh, when I was going through the book or watching the show was, you know, I didn't think the north was I'd be, for, I guess from my history classes, I guess I was led to believe that the north wasn't that bad when the north was that bad. And I'm it's, it's shameful, you know, and that's, but okay. Uh, enough of that, uh, all that aside, the show was, the show is good. The show is, uh, I mean, the actors are fantastic. Uh, you can re I mean, almost instantly you, you kind of connect with the the characters uh, because, you know, you sympathize with them, you know, the uh, like the three main characters Each one you're rooting for, each one are like, each one are likable. They're, you know, they're, they're, I mean, yes, you can tell that they have their flaws, but they're not, well, let's just face it. They're not jerks. You know, they're, they're decent people. They're good people. And they're just trying to, they got stuff that they have to do. And they really don't have such a serious character flaw that you, that you would dislike them.
3: All right. Very good. Uh, Barrett.
2: Um, I really liked the show. Um, It was very enjoyable. It had things to keep me interested all the way through. Um, Although the second half, of course, is much, much more that way than the first half. The thir- first half is a lot of setup and you get to really learn a lot about the characters and glow, grow closer to them and kind of sympathize and empathize with them and what they're going through. Um, I thought all the acting was great. Um, the set pieces were really well done. I mean, I felt like I was in that time period. Um, and it was a very enjoyable first episode, and I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing where it's going to go.
3: All right, sounds good. Uh, before we uh, get into uh, discussions, uh, folks who are... Curious uh, the, quote-unquote, wiki-wiki for this, uh, not necessarily the episode, but the show itself. A Lovecraft country follows Atticus Freeman as he joins up with his friend Letitia and his uncle George to embark on a road trip across 1950s Jim Crow America in search of his missing father. This begins a struggle to survive and overcome both the racist terrors of white America and the terrifying monsters that could be ripped from a Lovecraft paperback. Um, for folks who are curious, uh, yeah, this is based off of uh, the novel um, and uh, uh, the novel is uh, written by... What's the man's name? Kevin, you got the book, right?
0: Uh, hang on a second. Let me see.
3: Matt Ruff the, is the novel. Yes,
0: that's it. That's oh. it. yeah,
3: yep. uh, And it's uh, obviously based off of the H.P. Lovecraft author's world that he created. Uh, the uh, the show at least episode one basically takes place between Illinois to Massachusetts, so that would be Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, New York, and Massachusetts. But uh, the the ten minute beginning takes place um in Kentucky and and I think Indiana. Um, so uh, that's all I got there. So I guess we're gonna uh, discuss uh. Everything and anything. Uh, Again, uh, most people who probably are listening to this podcast want to hear opinions and such. Meaning, they've all have seen the episode, and if they haven't, tough luck because we are going to spoil things. Because we're going to discuss, dissect, and review every and any scene in this episode. Uh, We're not going to do um, a to z, meaning you know just a commentary on what we saw, but we'll talk about specific plot points. Uh, the characters, our feelings, and things of that nature. Uh, so uh, let's see, uh, who wants to begin? Uh, Barrett, why don't you begin? What, what do you got? What do you want to start with?
2: Um. So in the very beginning, we get a war scene. Um, it's kind of interesting um, where it's it seems like a dream and it ends with a horrific being. <laughs> so it kind of starts out giving you that horror feel. For it,
3: well, the being the being
2: is Cthulhu. Yes, it is Cthulhu. Yeah, we're
3: explaining everything. I mean, this is and this is in the first five minutes, anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's in the first five minutes, and it gives you kind of the setup for um, Atticus, um, and he wakes up with that. I don't know if it's a dream or a
3: vision or what. Um, well, I'll tell you what I think. I okay, think, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's it's a dream, and let me explain why. Here, here's uh, Atticus, who's a Korean War vet. Uh, he's back, uh, had been living in Florida for a bit, heading back home to Chicago because his father has uh, gone missing, and uh, he wants to find out what's going on, and he figures to start uh, his hometown of Chicago, where he has family and friends and information that may help him find his father. Also, he's a big uh, reader of science fiction and pulp novels, and H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, was one of the bigger ones, and uh, his stuff was uh, still gaining steam back in the 50s because Arkham House, uh, the publisher, that Arthur Del Earth, I think the guy's name is, uh, who's also a fantastic author, um, re-released all his uh, stories, and uh, he was semi-famous uh, for a select audience even in the 50s. Uh, and since this guy takes place in the 50s, we had... Uh, themes like, uh, War of the Worlds, uh, obviously Cthulhu, which is the, the octopus monster from Lovecraft stories. Uh, we had, uh, the, uh, Princess of Mars, which is, uh, Barros's, uh, novel, and mm-hmm. all, basically all these books that he read, Never mind his own, uh, interests such as sex, baseball, and his history in the Korean War, it all came together in this little dream, uh, as he's on the bus uh, heading from Florida to Chicago. Mike, am I right? Sound right?
1: Sounds about right. Possibly the most awesome opening to a TV series ever.
2: Well, one of the things I question about that is something about his Korean past seems a little interesting and suspicious because of a phone call he receives later on.
0: Oh, no, no, he makes it. He makes it, but yes. But
2: the person he talks to. Right. Is it seems a little strange. So I, I I'm wondering about his past.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. Right, right, yeah. It could be uh uh a woman or something that uh he had a relationship in Korea and probably in Korea just as he would in nineteen fifties America probably had racism as well, because uh, Korea, even to this day, is is a very, very uh, segregated, racist country, unfortunately. And in 1950, having a relationship with a Korean woman who um, would would be with a a person of color, never mind a a white Caucasian person, would probably have been frowned upon. And I think this is one of his regrets where he left career after the war and left his lover behind. Now, this is just my assumption. I, I haven't read the book. I don't even know if this is even in the book. It's but, not so far. Okay. But it, it seemed that's what it was because I had to put on um, – th- there's one major problem with this, this show is that the music and sound effects were as loud as the the um, the speech. So – if you wanted to watch this, even with headphones on, um, you miss a lot of words, so I had to put on... Uh...
2: I didn't have that problem.
3: Really, I did, yeah. So, And yeah. I know, Kevin, you always put them on anyway, but I put on the subtitles at various points, and for that phone call, I did two. And the last thing the woman says is, you shouldn't have left. Yeah, but um, in a very, like, it sounds almost like a threat. <laughs> Well, that's that's a good question. What what, what did you think, Kevin? Uh, it, it's not in the book, so so you're guessing like the rest of us. What what do you think? Do you think it was a former lover, as I mentioned, or do you think it was a threat like like the Korean uh, mob or something? Or what, what, what do you think is going on?
0: Um, I have actually. I don't. I've kind. I have in the in the book. I am just past this section you know, uh, at the end of the show. So it's, well, we'll uh, let me rephrase the question, but, the, but, the thing, but I mean, you're asking me about, okay, first of all, a little bit about my background in Korea, even to, well, even today, if you will, today, um, some people are okay with a Korean dating a non-Korean or, a, you know, or a, a non-Asian. But, um, like when I was in, when I was in grad school, I dated a Korean woman. And there were some that were okay with it and some were downright mean to her about it. Uh, I'd rather not go into detail about it, but it was, I mean, there were one, one or two times where I would see her coming out, you know, after meeting up with these people and she would be in utter tears, uh, because of some of the things that they said, uh, pretty much like within earshot of her that made me really furious. But, um, but so the whole you shouldn't have left i really don't know it the thing is is that as far as i remember the music also wasn't uh, when she said you shouldn't have left the music also did not sound like something you would play if it's like oh i miss my lover but it was sounded more threatening and ominous right. so i think that you know you should the, the tone of the woman's voice with The music was sounded more like a threat rather than a um, rather than a missed lover. Or it could have been a missed lover. And, you know, because you left, you're in trouble. I really don't. That's those are my two options.
3: All right. What about you, Mike? You're the only one that hasn't answered that. But it seems like you're agreeing that it may be an ominous call rather than a sad call. It's.
1: Oh, no, it was not sad If you if you listen to it, if you listen to, as you said, the music, the tone it's delivered in this, the, the musical sting that comes when she says it, it is intended to be ominous. Um, now, why he shouldn't have left is the problem. Is it a uh, it, it, is it a warning about what he's going into or is it a threat based on what he left and why he left? You know, they're teasing that out, I'm sure, for future storylines. Uh whether that will be this season or next season, who knows. Um there's just so little there to really comment on. I don't know that there's there was much more to add because that was it, right? It was a three sentence exchange. Yep. She says something Korean and then she says, Tick yeah, is that you
3: said, I think she said hello in Korean, right? Or something like yeah.
0: that. Yeah. yeah. And then she
1: says, like, Yeah, tick is that you and said, You shouldn't have left. You know, and that and that was about it. Sure,
3: sure. All right, All right, so, very well. So, so that's something we'll we'll figure out. Uh, Barrett had a good point there, which is something ominous in his past, specifically in career. Uh, I obviously misspoke, miss well, I won't say misspoke, but maybe misplaced what I thought it was the call. But again, um, I was having issues, and I had to replay that scene like three times, and finally had to put on the the subtitle. So I wasn't really paying attention to the cues because I was trying to really get the words rather than the tonal shift. So uh, I may have missed something that you three folks uh picked up on. Um, yeah,
1: and um, I mean, what we get, we have very, very little background information about Tick. Um We get, I mean, we get a lot, but there let I me mean, put it this way. We know a lot about uh, his childhood. Who
3: who's, who's Tick for folks that don't understand?
1: Uh, the, the lead character is Atticus Freeman, which yep. is a very on the nose name. Um, but, uh, his we know, is Tick, right? What's that? His nickname is Tick. And his nickname, Tick. Yep. Uh, Atticus, I'm assuming, coming from, of course, um, Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird and Freeman, kind of, you know, hello, Freeman, um, yep. which is obviously a double, uh, meaning given that he is a black man in the United States. Um, he, we know he has a, uh rough childhood he had an abusive father to some degree or another and a father who was an alcoholic um but don't know what happened with mom i don't think uh he was a nerd who has always loved reading you know he they several references to his thick coke bottle glasses he had as a kid uh you know and his love of science fiction you know his uncle george loved horror um uh, he joins the military to get away from his dad.
2: Now, if, if he
3: had, I have to ask. You yes, here, that, that was of, one
1: of my nitpicks: was
2: the
3: glasses. Yeah, yeah because if <laughs> they someone don't have had Glasses back in 1950 when, and he doesn't now. They didn't have eye surgery or um, contacts. Like right, and and the military definitely wouldn't take someone with that type of eyesight, and yet they emphasize how thick the glasses were like numerous times in the show. So that was one of my nitpicks just as
0: Barrett's, but and uh, go county, on. And I also noticed, I'm sorry uh, for interrupting, but one thing I also noticed is when he does put glasses on, they're, they're thin. The The lenses are thin. Yeah, I mean, today we have the lightweights, lightweight lenses, which are supposedly, you know, strong, but they made them thinner. But you know, when you see him put those glasses on, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, did did his eyes get better? And if so, how? Because I would love to know well, how. That can't well, that can happen. That can happen. I know that. I know that That's, that was kind of my point, is that how on earth did that guy, how on earth did his eyes get better? Because I've got Coke bottles. I mean, Eric, you know, Dark Discussions co-host Eric can tell you, because I grew up with him. He's, he's, he's seen me with my glasses on, and he knows they're Coke bottles. And thank God for contacts. But the thing is, is that, you know, I, it's as somebody with eyesight like that, it's just hearing that, oh, he doesn't really need him much anymore. I'd really like to know in their world, how did that happen? Well, yeah.
1: I don't know what whether he was nearsighted or farsighted, and if that matters in terms of the military. Um, I don't know how much the military really in 19, let's say 50 or so, right? Cause this would have been when we were in Korea or around the time we were going into Korea. I'm not sure when you're in the model of a shooting war, uh, how much the military really cares about that, especially if you happen to be a black person signing up.
0: Well, uh, yeah. Is they don't and, want you accidentally shooting your own people?
1: Well, yeah. And I also don't know, like, so was he nearsighted or farsighted? I don't know how thick his glasses actually were. If you look at the photo, they were big glasses. And that kind of could have been referring to the, the, like the diameter of the lens as opposed to the thickness of the lens when they talked about the Coke bottle glasses. Um, and they could, it's, it's so I don't know. It's, um, it'd be interesting to see if they ever address it. I, I thought of the same thing myself. Uh, but it's a, I think as things go, it's a relatively minor nitpick because he could clearly get a, get a long fine without glasses. um, and I, I can't re- remember now. I didn't pay attention. There were a couple of times we see him reading in the in the, in the movie, in the show. And I don't remember if he was wearing his glasses when he read or not. No,
3: well, um, uh, he well, was I never, on the bus. I have, I'm I have pretty to sure. Say, I have to say, yeah. So, so you know, that, that may be a, a question that won't be answered. And, and so it, it is, you know, you know, if it's not answered and it's not an issue, it's probably what Mike is referring to. Um but uh, I had another issue too with the, these scenes about the military. Was that his uncle talks about how his father was pissed that he joined the military to fight in Korea. But based off of uh, my father's stories, uh, he, he was a Korean vet, uh, didn't have to fight. Uh, fortunately, um, he he told me that everybody was being drafted, and if you get drafted, it's the army and it's two years, and So my father said to hell with that because he didn't want to be on Porkchop Hill. And so he joined the Air Force, but he had to be in the uh, the Air Force for four years. But he was willing to take four years and not be in the front lines for obvious reasons, fighting Chinese and North Koreans. Um, But the thing is, is even if Atticus didn't join on his own free will, as it's implied in the show, he was going to be drafted no matter what. So... I, I didn't really th- th- the point that was made which is why f- the father was pissed why would you sign up for the military of a country that treats uh people of color like crapola is is a legitimate point but he was going to be drafted anyway is my is m- what I'm, my understanding was based off of my father and and a bunch of my uncles and and uh and great uncles so I I felt that was a little off base and, and, and in other words, the father was a jerk because the guy was going to be drafted no matter what. I mean, obviously he was a jerk anyway, but his argument against Atticus joining was, I thought it was stupid. Any thoughts, anyone?
0: Well, he did join. Um, and it was a big, big point of contention between the two of them. Cause even later on, uh, as far as I remember, he Atticus actually gave an interview um, with somebody about, you know, black man in the army and the father even got, I mean, that's when actually push came to actual fists where, um, he said, so it was saying something like that, that, you know, you know, you risked your life for a country that hates you. And now you're telling other black people to do it.
3: And yet, and yet they're all going to be drafted anyway, is my point. Right, and that's why that whole—they're not all—they're
0: not all all going to be drafted.
3: Well, right, right. I see. My father wasn't sure if he was going to get drafted, right? So he—he wasn't—he didn't sign up. But suddenly he got his draft notice, and that week, the day he got his draft notice, he walked over to the Air Force and he said, "I'm joining the Air Force," and they took him because, you know, he didn't want to be in the Army for obvious reasons. So you're right, Mike. Technically, there's a chance that he couldn't. He could have took his chance and, and waited for his draft card to come up. So, all right. Uh, I guess I guess my nitpick on this one isn't that big of a deal. That's a fair point. Um, all right. So uh, who, who wanted to go next on something that, or, or this he, topic here? He did seem to have some animosity,
2: though. Like when he passed the guy that was recruiting and the little kids were around him, he kind of gave him a look like you – know, I, I thought know. it was
3: the, the recruiter that was giving him the look and not – yeah, Atticus. Atticus
2: was looking at him kind of funny. I thought, like, I don't know, not happy with him or something.
3: Yeah, I guess I, I don't maybe know. Yeah, yeah, maybe uh,
1: Wait, a minute, so it's, I, I missed I was just looking something up. What was the? What was the the, the question here?
3: Oh, um, basically, there was a scene when he's in Chicago where he's walking down the street and they, this uh, recruiter. The U.S. military, I don't know what service, uh, had a table out front. Right, on he's selling the
1: on them on the travel, yeah, sign up and see the world, right? And that recalls back what um, Atticus had said earlier in the, the episode where he makes the comment that how else is a, is a, is a black boy supposed to, to do that? And, you know, is right, that's right. the only way you're going to get that shot.
2: But it it's seemed travel. to me that he was giving that guy, like, the evil eye
1: almost. Yeah, and like, you, you know... Yeah, you're you're lying to me. You're lying to these kids.
3: Okay, yeah, it's, 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 Good. Yeah, that that must have went over my head too. I, I I saw the scene and I knew what it was represented, but I thought it was the other way around, where the recruiter was the one that was. But yeah, it makes more sense what you guys are saying, which is
1: well, they neither one of them seemed to have. There were no warm feelings exchanged between them. No, I no. can't tell you why. That is entirely my supposition, based on you know what we've learned of the of Atticus so far um but we have no idea what happened to him in korea um and we don't know like was he honorably or dishonorably discharged uh he's you know so there's all sorts of questions there so that is in my opinion that's completely complete supposition on my part
3: for sure sure yeah yeah i mean it was obviously you, technically you could say it's just a throwaway way scene but it's enough there that for whoever the, the type of person watching the show would get an idea of what it meant and and one way to take take it would be Atticus looking at the recruiter listening to him saying you know see the world and assuming Atticus was thinking this that oh you're lying to them just as I was snookered right but well Atticus Atticus
1: know. wants to to admits he, he did it to get away from his father. He said, that's why a lot of kids sign up. I did it because I wanted to get away from my father. And he says right. that to the, um, I'm pretty sure it's to oh. the the lady on the bus. Sure. Because he's talking about this. He says, ironically, that's the reason he's heading back to Chicago, is to try to find his father.
3: Right. Now,
0: You uh, see, the uh, thing is, in the book, it never really talks about that. Hmm. I why, mean, why he joined him, the military it, right it, well no he did talk about in the as far as i remember in the book he did talk about why he he joined but i don't remember him really i i'm, I'm probably i'm going to be listening to it again just to make sure but i don't remember him actually regretting going into the army right okay so right. I, if he really regretted it uh, going into the army or not, because he really didn't—he didn't seem like he did. At least in the book, he didn't. So that's why I thought that scene with him—you know, kind of him and the recruiter, kind of looking at each other that way—seemed a little off. But like I said, I'll well, re-
3: Kevin, I'll- let me ask you this, Kevin. Let me ask you this, Kevin. Could it be you haven't gotten to that part of the book, or this is a change by? the showrunner who is also the screenwriter for this episode to show um, or or possibly give a a statement of the black folk fighting for a country that didn't give them what they should have had, which was equal rights.
0: Well, no, and that could be it. I mean, it, like I said, in the book, Everything chronol—I mean, from what I remember in the book, everything chronologically that we saw on the show so far has happened pretty much parallel. Now, there's some things that happened in the book that didn't or uh, some things that happened on the show didn't happen in the book, and all the way around. But um, uh, as I said, I'm going to listen to it again, but I'll uh, listen at least to the first part again because I don't remember him really saying, you know, that was a bad, like him saying, you know, join the army—that was a bad idea.
3: For folks who are listening who are interested in uh, an excellent um, synopsis of what he saw, Kevin has an article, he sent an email uh, to me that is uh, going to be on the website uh Thursday. So darkdiscussions dot com website, just uh go on there and you'll see uh the post. So it's a, basically his synopsis of episode one. Uh we appreciate that you s- sent that over, Kevin, and uh folks can actually uh, go to the website darkdiscussions.com and read that on Thursday. So check that out. Good go ahead Mike.
1: Yeah, it also may just be that it has nothing to do with him. It just may be that here's this recruiter selling a pack of dreams to these young black kids. Right. And having been in the military and been in the war, you know, he knows he's kind of selling him a bill of goods. And again, he mentions he's he's different. He didn't join the military to go see the world. But that is how he is selling it. So, you know, he may just be an exception, but that is how it is being sold there. And we don't know what his conversations would have been, say, with his platoon mates. Um, and and Mike, how yes, and he just... felt about signing up if they regretted it afterwards. So it may not be about him. It could just be about a general issue of principle.
3: Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking, that that the the screenwriter just wanted to point out something uh, that that is a a talking point um, and such. Uh, Mike, let me ask you this. Uh, And again, this could have been over my head, too, uh, or I missed it, I should say. Um, I don't think so far, at least in episode one, even though he's treated badly by a number of white folk throughout the episode, uh he hasn't said meaning atticus hasn't said anything that was negative to his service in the military or the country as a whole am i right or did i miss anything
1: um i mean other than you know him saying that you know he he as a black person can't travel safely in the country you know or that it's not going to be that he hasn't had the opportunity to see the world that uh he would want it unless he had joined the military. Um, it, but I was also spending most of the episode around...
3: Um, well, well, his anger's not around like his, his friends father's, family, is what I mean. Right? His anger against the country isn't like his father's, I guess, is what I mean. No, it doesn't seem to be. Gotcha. Yeah. I was just, just, just want to make sure I, I didn't miss anything. Um, because, uh, again, I, I, I had to rewatch pieces because uh, of some issues I felt with the the s- music and sound effects uh, at the same levels as the speech. But uh it appears I, I, I didn't. Um, I, I think
0: they
1: may be trying very hard. And, you know, you get this, I think, just in the way they set up the, the uh, Freeman family in the beginning. I think they're trying hard to avoid obvious stereotypes. Um, and sure. the angry black man is obviously one of those easy stereotypes to lean into. And so I don't think that's necessarily a place they want to go with their lead character, at the very least. Uh, It looks like it's more likely when we find the father that the father will be
3: will be kind of serving that
1: function. Right,
3: right. Maybe assuming we, 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 yeah, or or it could be flashbacks because I know Kevin, you mentioned that there were flashbacks in the book, right? So maybe there could be flashbacks with him and his father. I don't know. It'll be curious to see what they're gonna do in the show.
0: Well, a lot of the flashbacks were actually of the father's experience. Like remember that um if I remember correctly, remember the one time where the the the, the, the characters were in the woods surrounded by the police and um hang on a minute. Uh, crumbs. I'm trying to remember if that was the father, the father who went through that or not. I'm trying to remember if it was the father. Remember when they were on the ground? Yeah, it was, it was two of them. And the, the father was on the ground. He said, one of them was on the ground. He said, um, was trying to say something to him. Oh, he said, uh, there's been a misunderstanding. And that's And the police officer looks at him and says, oh, okay. I like you because you didn't, you weren't about to tell me you, I was wrong. You know, and then the other guy, which I think was the father, said, or, um, said something like, uh, I don't remember, but I, the the whole thing about, oh, well, the thing, um, rewind, start over. The part where the guy asks, he's talking to the police officer that pulled him over, and the police officer is talking, he says, you know, you, you've got... You know, you've got six minutes until the sun goes down. That's actually from a flashback with the father. And the father was on his own at that time. And the the police officer essentially said, you know, you have you're not going to make it if you go south. But if you go north, you know, you'll just make it. And that's when the father asked the police officer, is it illegal if I do a U-turn? You mean the uncle?
3: You mean the uncle?
0: No, no, in the book I'm talking about. This.
3: Oh, in the book. Oh, okay. That, so the, that yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah.
0: The book that dialogue took place, but it was between the father and a police officer.
3: Gotcha. If I, I
0: remember, if I remember this correctly, and so that's when, you know, and, and so the father says, you know, can I if I did a U-turn, and that's when the and when the officer, and yeah, that's when the officer said, well, if you ask, if you ask politely. So, so, so
3: does this scene, what we see in the show. Where it's Atticus's uncle and Letitia, that doesn't happen in the book, and it was actually
0: with the father instead. Yeah, right? correct. Interesting. That happened. At, that happened in the book. That dialogue happened in the book with the father alone, and uh, sadly, and well, the, the father got out all right. Unfortunately, as he got out, just as he got over the county, the officer uh, shot his window out.
3: Interesting. Okay. So, it, so I, they must have take, taken this flashback scene.
0: Yeah. And, and gave it to Atticus because
3: it's obviously a pretty powerful scene. And then it also yeah. sets up the finale of this episode, as, as uh, Mike right. mentioned yeah. earlier. And,
0: and the thing is, and I'm pretty sure the, there is the flashback with, I think, the uncle and the brother where they were, um, when the right. when I think it was the uncle who said there's been a misunderstanding and the officer said, I like you. You did not tell me I was wrong. Well the other guy said was was about to say it was wrong, then he corrects himself, says, No, 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 there's a misunderstanding. And that's when he said, Please look you know, go ahead and look in the look in the car. And that's when the officer says, Wait, did you just give me permission? Um, I can't remember if that was a flashback or that happened the way it did on the show, because I don't remember hearing about Letitia in that scene at all.
3: Gotcha. All right. So, so it looks like uh, they may be taking some liberties, but taking our various scenes and, and, and giving them to other characters uh, yeah. because of their, their power and, and, and whatnot. Um, all right. And that seems about,
1: like an important, that's an important scene to kind of set up what
3: yes. follows in the rest of the episode. Yeah. Yes. certainly, Yeah yeah um all right so uh let's talk about uh what well uh yeah go on Mike. you have i time. was gonna say i mean we the the opening scene right which we was was sets everything up was the right and i believe that jamie, jamie uh, oh what's what's her name uh that plays the princess of Mars is jamie uh I'll get i get her name here uh, what? jamie Chung jamie Chung oh uh, she plays uh that thing. And and that's why I'm thinking Jamie Chung was in his dream as the Princess of Mars because I think she's going to be the character from Korea that oh, okay. he talked to. And the reason I think that is because her character, based off of what I see here in Wikipedia, says Jamie Chung as Ji-ha, Ji-ah, which uh, Ji-ah could most certainly be um, korean it 's definitely not uh I mean, because it 's one syllable two different words one syllable that 's that 's usually either korean or or or, or chinese uh a seemingly naive nursing student is who is more than she seems so uh, but again i don 't know i mean it may have nothing to do with the call to from Korea and she could be something else completely different but um based off of the character 's name it could be korean and that 's the reason why i 'm i 'm thinking it but but it was i think it was jamie Ch- Uh, Jamie that played the princess of Mars. And if she's already in his past and she appeared in his dream as princess of Mars, it wouldn't surprise me if she is the the character from Korea.
1: Right. Well, because he's, he, she appears as sort of a sex fantasy. Yes, Um, exactly. Right. So you have references in that um, obviously to Jackie Robinson uh, the opening narration at the beginning about a boy in his dream is from the Jackie Robinson story, the movie. Um, you have Cthulhu, you have lots of little flying
3: Cthulhus. Um, you have yeah, the uh, sexual in Orlando, as you mentioned. Right, you have the you have the Princess oh, have of the...
1: Mars showing up.
3: Uh, from
1: and you have War of the Worlds flying saucers. So this tells you a lot about the character to begin with, right? Um, and also kind of frames it that this is uh. Because it sounds starts like, sounds I was like looking like, like newsreel footage. What's that? Sounds like
3: you and sounds like you and me, Mike. Yeah, science fiction, baseball, and and, and horror, uh, hot chicks, and horror, yeah, <laughs> horror. and hot chicks, yes. Um, so
1: yeah, so I like that, but I also like you have the exchange with uh, after the bus breaks down and he goes for a walk with the uh, older woman, and they have a conversation. <laughs> right, a walk
3: because of uh, bigotry, basically.
1: Yeah. Right. Because of bigotry, where they were where they kind of address in a roundabout way the issue with Lovecraft. And I appreciated that um, because where she, he she they talk about the lead character from John Carter of Mars being a an ex-Confederate soldier. And she says, you know, you, you, you don't get to walk away from something like that. And he says, well, it's like someone you love. You don't loving them doesn't make them perfect you know you, you love them in spite of their flaws and you know she right. says, yeah but the flaws are still there and i think that's just a, was a very eloquent way of addressing the issue which also comes up later with lovecraft and the fact that yeah we know who the man was we know what he said we know that he is to put it nicely a complicated figure but this is about the work that he did. This is about the, you love the stories because you love the stories and you're not going to suddenly hate the story because you found out they're written
3: by a guy who was a racist. Well, let me me ask ask you this, Mike, because uh, her point was taken. It makes sense, but it it also, I felt was very flawed too, because as, as we know, uh, the place of birth can sometimes determine what side of a war you're going to be on. And obviously when we, we were kids, the Civil War was known as brother against brother, not um, or North against South, not you know bad against good necessarily, uh, even if bad against good is 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 arguably a fair assessment. But you know if if you're some poor slob that was born in 1910 in Germany or Japan or Italy or in 1930 in North Korea or China, is it your fault? are you you a bad person are you tainted for life because you happen to be in the wehrmacht or flew a japanese zero or you know charged up pork chop hill in the chinese infantry to to kill uh south koreans i, I mean is it anybody's fault that they were born to a certain place and their culture and their people are from that certain place and therefore their in that army. So I, I don't know if that is a fair argument that the woman said, even if her point is taken as acceptable. If that, well, I,
1: yeah, but let's, all, well, I mean, let's also remember who she is, right? So she is an older black woman. Uh, this is 1950s. So we're going to assume that when she was growing up, there were still an awful lot of Confederate veterans that were around.
0: Um, and maybe you know, it, her mother was a slave
1: or yeah you you don't really know her backstory either it is I, they use the two characters to present an argument and i like the way they did that that's all you know so so that's that you know it's um and present the two sides and saying you know again we know who lovecraft is and you can't make the argument that he was drafted into the army or something but he is a product of his time if lovecraft was born today i doubt he would have the same exact opinions he did then we are all somewhat of a product of our upbringing and our environment. And there's a good chance that, you know, however enlightened or unenlightened you think we are now, we would not have
3: the same views today if we were all born in 1920. Yep. Totally agree. Sure, um, sure. And and the people that are born in 2080 will, will look back at us and have different views than say us. Right. So, and, and again, it depends on your culture and your country too. You know, I mean, I always bring up the, the Arab Arab, Palestinians versus the Israelis and whatnot, or or whatever. And depending on what side, if you're a, a Palestinian folk, you're going to look at something completely different than say, if you're a, a Jewish uh, Israeli folk, you know. And and it, it's just how it is. It's it's if you're born a, in a certain culture to a certain people, you're going to have a different view of the world than that person that's on the other side of. Um, I guess the border or the fence or whatever it's just, just right how it but
1: what, but you could say that for anyone who did or anything that was that was terrible, you can make arguments about how much of it is because of who they were and how much of it was because of the time and place and the circumstances into which they were born That's at right. some point or another, we are all responsible for the actions that we take whether or not we were responsible for the circumstances of our birth and we are responsible for the things we believe. And it's one thing, it's very nice thing for me to say that if Lovecraft were born in 2000, as opposed to, you know, the late 1800s, he would probably be a more enlightened individual. First of all, it's supposition because we don't know that. Um, but the reality is he wasn't and he held beliefs that we find repulsive today. And so we can acknowledge that he's not being, he shouldn't be put on trial. We acknowledge it. We move on from it. Um, and then the the question is, does that mean that you now forever silence whatever he said, or do you take the things that he said that were out of worth and use them and put the rest in the trash bin? Right. You know, and and some people
0: will separate it and some people will not. Well, it's funny because I mean, when I was in high school, I mean, I was in high school, I think like the rest of us in the eighties and the views of many things, you know, the views on many Items that we see today were very much different then, as they are now. I mean, oh, even yeah. in a space of thirty years.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, I can think
0: about it. I mean, I think about some of the Mel Brooks movies we see. Uh, we've seen back then, like History Rule Part One, Blazing Saddles. Do you think uh, those movies would would be made today? No.
3: Even Young Frankenstein probably wouldn't be made today because of uh, yeah. mental uh, behavioral health people and stuff. So, so you're absolutely right. That's a fair point, Kevin.
0: But I mean, but I mean, what Mike is saying, I mean, I'm agreeing with what Mike is saying. I'm just saying that, uh, it's more than just a 50 year gap, you know, a generational gap. I mean, it could be a 20 year gap Yep. or even, yeah. even a 10 year gap. Yeah. That's right.
1: Something. I mean, I was born but my, my, when I was born, my father, would have been in his late twenties. Right. But now my father, uh, was born in New York city. Um, but, uh, you know, he wasn't born down South, but he grew up in a time when you did have segregation and you did have, you know, whites only water fountains and things like that down the South. He would have been born well, well he was born right before, um, we got into World War II, so this was also obviously before segregation and uh, desegregation in baseball. This would have been before um, uh, Little Rock and 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 the desegregating of the schools and all of that. And that that is a relatively short span of time, right? Especially you know those of us who have lived for more than a couple of decades, realizing that less than 30 years really is not that big of, of a difference historically, right? We're talking about for us going back to 1990. Right. And you look at, say, for example, the breakneck pace in which there was there have been changes in in the views on um, on gay rights or LGBTQ plus rights, whatever. Um, Gay marriage was as a was a as far as social change goes, was like a whipsaw how fast that changed, because I remember when it was 90 percent of the public was against gay marriage. And that included a huge percentage of homosexuals who said, why why do we need to get married? You know, we're not having kids um, and that's going back 30 years and the whole and the, the script has completely flipped on that. So um, you want to be careful about judging someone by your by someone from the past on the modern standards. But you also have to look at what they did say. You don't make excuses for you say that's who they were and you either live with it or you don't. And, and again, I think that's the statement that they were making here. They love the stories. The man is the man. They love the stories anyway. You know, not because of the flaws. They're not forgiving the flaws. They're not ignoring the flaws. The flaws were there, but they loved the stuff regardless of it.
3: Yeah, no, and, and that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I mean, I mean, if if it was that way forever, where you you couldn't forgive or you refuse to forgive because you don't forget. You should never forget, but you should you can forgive. But if it wasn't when you know all of us were born, you know, which was only. Um, 30 years after World War II ended, you know, Japan, Germany, and Italy would still be considered pariahs. And yet back in the 70s, the 70s, if we didn't like Japan or Germany, specifically, it was because their economies were were stealing, stealing our stuff, not because they fought us in 1945. So... It, it. It. I don't think they're yeah, stealing it, anything, but yeah, let's. Um, <laughs> well, let me, but not steal. You know, let, let me rephrase. Uh, uh, their their uh industry w- was taking away a lot of the U.S. industry, the and, and you know like German cars and Japanese cars and stuff. So yeah, you're right. They weren't stealing anything. They, they right. were just more superior at the time. But going. All right. There? So does
1: anyone have anything else to say about this point? Because we're kind of belaboring it and getting well, away it's, from it's, the actual show.
3: Yeah, and that's fair. That's fair. I, mean, yeah, I we, do not, we, but I think you
2: made a perfect point, Mike.
1: All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think they do a lot in just in that opening scene of showing you a guy who is, you, you can tell because he's got his, uh, you, that he's been in the military. He is a kind man, right? Because he's offering to help uh, the old lady. Uh, you see him give the finger to Kentucky as they leave, uh, uh, Jim Crow behind. Um, the only thing I found a little incredible in the scene is that they are about they are there's like one seat between them and the white people in front of them. And the black lady makes a comment about the bus being by another dead slave owner. Um, right. And I think but I, that's OK. I, you know, maybe she didn't mutter it under her breath because the audience needed to hear it. Um, you know, and these were not people who were going to be listening to their iPads, their iPods on the way across the border back then. So. Right. But, you know, again, it's giving information about these people and their characters. And, you know, it's a it's a minor thing. All right. So anyway, I just want to mention that.
3: And that's fair. That's fair. Well, um, I think
2: it gives you a sense of his his nature. He's very helpful. Yes.
1: Throughout. Oh, his nature He's helpful. Yeah. He's smart. Right. He's, yeah. he's well read. Oh, oh he's soft. Um, Earth. And, yeah. and he's, he's forgiving. And he's a forgiving guy. Right. He is not the guy going around necessarily with a chip on his shoulder. He is in a he's just leaving to the Jim Crow South, but his biggest chip on his shoulder is towards his father. You know, so again, it's not saying that he's he's loving the situation. We know he doesn't. You know, he gives the finger to Kentucky as they leave it.
3: Sure. Yeah, well right. Um, And 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 I I do that. I mean I mean when I was a kid living in an all Irish town looking Mediterranean or Latino, I, I always was called some pretty nasty things. And, and I, I, I give them all a finger today. However, it doesn't, it doesn't eat me up just as it doesn't eat up Atticus here. Right. And he He's given the finger because like, you know, it's stupid and F you. Now let's move on. I'm in Chicago. I'm headed to Chicago. And you're right. His real demon isn't the Kentucky and what was going on down there, but it's specifically his own father. His, that's his real demon. Right. Um,
2: Which makes it ironic that he's searching for him.
3: <laughs> well, well it, you know he, what it is? It's. it's he, I he, think it could be the part where, you You know, it's blood is blood. Even though his, his father was a prick and he, he didn't necessarily get along with him, I don't think he has the, the hate in his heart for him, like some people would for, for an abusive parent. But also he could be part of the de- the demon that his father is is he's looking for recognition and and what maybe some closure him. well and yeah that's a good point too closure too so it could be closure it could be uh need need for respect and love from the father like maybe now you know 15 years later or whatever it is you know, maybe the father will say, you know what, son, I'm sorry. You know, who knows what he's thinking, but that's what I'm thinking is going on. What, what do you think, Kevin?
0: Um, well, like when we started off, we all saw that he said, you know, I left because of my father now because of my father, I'm coming back. So there is that, I mean, his father was, was not a nice guy. His father was a bit abusive. I mean, it seems like, there's a few, uh, you know, I mean, there's that one scene where you have Letitia arguing with her, with her brother, I think it is uh, about stuff. And, well, I mean, overall though, just trying to think about it. Yes. I think that scene is
2: really, sorry. I just want to say real quick, that scene's really interesting because it gives you the most sense of how, it affected him because he also gets mad at his uncle as well.
0: Right. Right. Because he says, you know, you didn't step up for me, but the yeah. thing, that's like the only time he ever actually says anything like that. Because the rest of the time he, because, okay. He, throughout, throughout the, throughout the story that we see so far, it's obvious that Atticus and his uncle get along very, very well. It's almost like Atticus sees his uncle as someone who he wishes was his father. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that too. Right. Yeah. Or, or But I also
1: there's there's a thing if I'm, just from my own personal experience. I grew up next door to my my uh my uncle and my aunt and my godbrother uh my cousin, right? And there is a thing about fathers and sons and especially when you're going like when you're hitting uh puberty and you're growing up, fathers and sons tend to butt heads. And my cousin butted heads with with my uncle and I butted heads with my father, you know, but my cousin got along great with my father and I got along great with my uncle. I never necessarily wished my uncle was my father. And I never and I don't know that my my cousin ever wished my father was his. You know, It just without that pressure of being the parent in that household, yeah. it really, it's it's you, you can have a different relationship. And I think this all, again, goes back to his comment, right, is that you you love the person you love and the flaws are there. Right, he loved right. them regardless of their flaws, and so he loves his father, but his father is flawed, and he just had to get away from him. He loves right. his uncle, but he does harbor a little resentment over the fact that his his, his uncle never did anything really to to protect him from
3: his father. No, that, that's that's a fair point. I, I want to go back to that argument too between the brother and Letitia too, and I, I I know why they did it was because they, that was the. The spark that gave the conversation between Atticus and his uncle to talk about the father and give us more backstory about the father, but um, I, th- I think it, it was it was wasn't written as well as it could have been because the there wasn't really any violence. There was yelling, but they they made it look like Atticus was going to go in to stop. I don't know if he was going in to stop because he thought Lethicia was getting attacked.
0: Well, no, there right. was one part where but, he said, she said, let go. You're hurting me.
3: Oh, yeah,
0: that's right. He was going right. to go get
3: involved. Right. Well,
0: well going to uh, go involved and stop it before anything, right. before it actually got to blows.
3: Well, and that's the thing is that he's, he's assuming it would get to blows, but he doesn't know any, any about their, their family and, and if they would actually get to blows. And also, well, I, I thought Letitia was way out of line. Because she stole money, basically, from her brother, lied to him. The brother was generous to give her the money. Well, she, he did give her it. I mean, once right. you yep. give it away, like, it's it's not yours to
2: speak right. about. She and lied. She lied to him. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that she couldn't use the money how she wanted. He didn't like it, and he was well, mad. They, but they uh, well, give a, they, they, she stole the money.
1: They well, give a did. lot you know, of. She, they give a lot of backstory to her character there. If you can listen between the cracks and pick up what it is
3: being, is being said, so with her, right. with her and her sister, and how she's trying to get free room and board forever with her sister without offering, well, I'll pay you back or anything like that. So I think you may be right. It, it may show that she, there's a weakness in her character that she's a user. Well,
1: no, uh, she says she used. Person. Did you catch what she? What did she use the money for?
3: She gets to, to be out of jail, right? Yeah,
1: right. She bailed. She bailed. So she's. She's a civil, she's a civil rights activist to some degree. Yeah. She's bailing out her friends out of jail who were jailed well, for protesting.
3: Right. That, that could just be, based off of the, the argument, it sounded like they were her friends, not just random people. She was pulling out of jail.
1: Right. But they were people that, but that's why they were in jail. Yeah. Okay. They, they, so there's that. They I, mentioned sure you hear that. her argue thought, that she, that he didn't have to grow up with the mother. Right that he grew- so he grew up with the father, he didn't grow up with the mother, uh one of the things I did get from listening to the podcast, and this is a thing, but it's not something i that I know of that I know is a thing, but it's not necessarily something that I'm always cognizant of because I am not black um is the idea that there is um there can be resentment from dark skinned blacks towards light skinned blacks, and in fact one of the 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 uh people on the show was saying that they were reluctant to cast this actress because they didn't want a light skinned actress in this role. Um, but the fact that they do have a light skinned actress there and then her sister, Ruby, uh, who's, you know, the one singing during the the yeah. street fair is a dark skinned actress. Uh, you know, so that she says that these are, so you know what's going on there that they have, you know, two different fathers. Um, so you get the sense then that that you have a very complicated family relationship between these three siblings and the brother was with the father, not with the mother. And, you know, the mother must have raised the two sisters or at least uh, raised Letitia. I don't know if, if Ruby was with them or not and that's part of the reason she has her own issues with her mother, just as Atticus has with his father. Um, so there I'm sure a lot of that's going to be coming back later. And yes, we do get the sense that she is not necessarily great with money because for whatever she did with the money she was given to bail people out of jail, friends out of jail who were protesting or fighting for a good cause. I don't know. Maybe they sat at the, the, the counter or something, whatever it may be. Um, this is not the first time it's happened, right? So she does; she apparently is kind of careless with
3: money. Well, and and it's also she lied to get the money, right? If she came right out and said the reason I need the money is to bail out folks, she probably wouldn't have got the money, but at least she wouldn't have alienated the brother. Well, because she we don't know how she got, the, got the money. Right, we don't well, know. We if she we, told we, we, that she,
2: beforehand, we we know beforehand what she, she was going to use it for.
3: We we know she lied because he. It's in the argument. I'm listening to the argument and she he said you didn't tell, you you told me you needed the money for something else and then right. what did you use the money for then and oh, then okay. she was yeah. it a
2: place to live or something i can't remember yeah, uh, yeah no, exactly. i thought it was to come back to the, the no, money. oh yeah to get back there and that's why she wasn't in time right, right. the, the and so the funeral. Right. so,
3: yeah. so the, the the problem is not that she used the money to bail out folk the problem right. was is that she lied to right. someone that trusted her for and and then she used she used like, that money
2: for a different reason than she she might have intended to use it for that and then those people were jailed and
3: she used well, it for let, me, wait, let me let me put let me put it then she should have talked to the, the brother and say hey could i use it because if i ever lent, lent you money or gave you money because you said you needed it because you're going homeless and then you take the money and use it for something else i'd be fucking pissed at you too Barry, well so. i
2: agree i agree with you But I'm just saying she didn't steal the money, even if she used it for
3: something different. Well, I I, I, I would say if you if you I would say if you deceive someone to get the money, that's stealing. That's just my
0: also he was also torqued out. The half sister and the brother were also pretty upset with her because she didn't make it to the mother's funeral.
3: Right. And obviously that was probably intentional, as you said, Mike, because she didn't like her mother, probably.
0: Because well, I, mean, and I think she even said, I can't, I think was to her brother. Oh, you're going to bring that up again. Um,
3: and I think yeah, that that's, that's something you'll never forget. Right. I mean, Oh yeah. yeah. Hard to, hard, yeah. to, hard to not remember. someone not showing you up to a funeral. Yeah. You, don't yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't well, not to your mother's out. funeral. Right. If you were, yeah.
1: if you were, if you have a, I don't know how many, I know Phil, you have, uh, you have a brother. I don't know if you guys have brothers. Um, I would have, but I know, like, if my mother died tomorrow and my cousin, you know, who I grew up next to, didn't show up to her funeral, I would know. I would notice. And I would Well, well
3: they would have an excuse nowadays because of COVID. My uncle passed away a or, week or, ago and a half ago. Okay, I in a year,
1: really... if my mother dies, he doesn't show up to the funeral. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it may be. You know, it's, it, like, my aunt is, is at home with lung cancer and she, you know, she can't get around on her own. If she missed her funeral, I'd understand it. Yeah, Um, but when you're something, somebody who's young and healthy, if you, you miss it at that, yeah, you're, you're going to know, but I think we have to be really careful about reading too much into a thing that we literally hear between snippets of dialogue between Atticus and George in the background without a lot of context to it. Right. So we don't know the exact circumstances under which the money was asked or offered, um, And, you know, when the decision to divert the funds, that's where it came about, and what exactly her history of uh, misusing money is. So, yeah, I want to be a little careful about that. Um, It is certainly something to put in the back of my mind, because these are, I think, complicated characters. um, And her, in particular, seems problematic. Right. Because there's a lot of good features she has. But then there's the questions about, you know, the like the the, the money issues. Right. What is her what is that story there?
2: Well, I'm not sure her brother's even mad about the money part of it. It's the fact that she didn't show up for the funeral.
3: Right. Right. Well, and, and also that he she lied to him to take get the money. Maybe I'm sticking, we'll see. I'm, st- I'm sticking with that story. Well, we may never see, see the brother again in the in the film. To be honest, I mean the show. To be honest, right? But it made it sound like he was pissed that here you go again. You you you, you tell all these tales where we're helping you out, and then you you bend us all over and screw us big time. And that's how I interpreted it. But again, that doesn't mean her character's evil. It, it just means she's ignorant and. A little um, gray.
1: A little I wouldn't even say. I wouldn't even go ignorant. Um, yeah, that would,
3: it, I, after I said the word. It didn't sound right. Yeah, it, she, it, she
1: she made a decision. She had she had okay. she had a decision to make. She made it, and there's a disagreement over it. And I, I would I would it,
3: call it selfish because. She should have called the brother up and said, I, "Uh, I get it, the money. is it
1: selfish to use the money to bail people out of jail for who got arrested for?" Yeah, for- I don't, I don't know. Yes,
3: <laughs> it's it's hard, right. like, yes, yes, it is. When it's not your money, and it, or it's it money was her was money, you gave it to her. It was her money. It was promised huh. for a different reason. It, it, put it this way: if you did it to me, I would, I would, I would fucking disown you, Barrett, because no one's gonna take my money. <laughs> well, you'd never and, give it, me money, so <laughs> and and, and ask, ask, you know, you know what I'm saying? It, it's just that. We're different people. I would, I
2: would, I might be a little upset, but I wouldn't be upset like this brother was.
3: Uh, we're talking a lot of money. We're not just talking about you know, bucks. I know, I know we're well, we don't about know how
1: much money it was.
2: Yeah, we right. don't know how
3: much money it was. But well, it's a it's amount of money that it costs to get someone out of out of jail. Two people back out of then jail. it could have been fifty bucks, which would have been a lot. But you know,
1: right? We don't know how much that would have been back then. We don't know how I... much. Money it would have taken because it doesn't necessarily take a lot of money to bail someone
3: out of jail. All right. Well, either way, either way, we're going around anyway. But the point is, is that whether is that we don't apolog- have enough
1: information to come to a conclusion, All
3: right? Whether you're, people are apologists for her or not. I am horrible. not an apologist. You apologize. are most certainly. I just an
2: don't agree with your opinion that she is a horrible person because I didn't say she was horrible. I said this
1: was a horrible <laughs> thing that she did. <laughs> and again, I'm saying we do not have your. I think you're still jumping to conclusions. I think a lot of us are, are trying to jump to conclusions here. We don't know the circumstances.
3: Yeah. Right. And, and to be honest, I think it was really pointless to the whole story. It was really It was a bull- script <laughs> thing to get her to go with them. Well, no, it was two reasons. It was it was to open up the the conversation about Atticus's father, and it was also to fill a little more of a sh- the story that, as as Mike said, uh, not not a Spitfire, but but someone that um is is what what was the word you used, Mike? I don't, I don't remember. Know. Yeah, I don't either. But but a, a character that 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 uh stretches stretches uh the boundaries of of uh what is right or wrong without actually really jumping over to to the bad side if that makes sense but i don't know anyway let's let's move on to a different subject uh let's talk about uh so we we, we kind of w- discussed the t-shirt and we kind of discussed discussed Atticus let's talk about the uncle um what 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 is what do you guys think of him he actually seems like a pretty well-rounded uh high intellect person uh uh you know he he knows everything from lovecraft all the way to probably um classic well, well lovecraft is probably considered classic literature now but at the time he was considered pulp and but my point is is that he's he knows from he knows cool stuff like horror and sci-fi and he knows uh, business and intellectual stuff like uh our square fathers were he um He's a good guy. You know, he
1: is it's you have a nice uh, he's got a very nice, loving relationship with his wife. Um, He's got a nice relationship with his family, with his daughter, with his nephew. Um, So he seems to be a kind man, a generous man, a man with some regrets based on his family history. Um, You know, he's putting himself out there, going around writing his version of the Green Book for which he, you know, had his, his knees busted
3: um you know and they may even make thought, a comment i felt this uh, character was way too old to to have that a daughter that age i mean it's possible that you know he could have had her when she, he was 55 but the, i mean the actor is 62 i think in real life and and his daughter was like early teenager and the whole time i i kept on thinking that he was the grandfather so it, it didn't feel he was cast right for the role, even
0: though well, I people can still
1: have kids. Yeah, I mean Tony Randall had a kid when he was like seventy-five.
3: No, no, I, I understand that. I understand it uh, again. Like for example, my my father, he always complained about the movie Signs. He felt that Mel Gibson's character was too old to have um, the children in that film. And you know, technically, all right, all right you know that that's fair. I mean, I, I can see his point. He was thinking that you know that the, a real parent and Signs would have been like thirty-five with the kids that age but this one here i i felt a 60 something yeah i don't know it just it just took i just kept on getting confused again this was just me well, i try not to think about age because
2: they they just mess with that so much in in entertainment
1: right you don't know how old the character is supposed to be you don't have to be careful about assuming the actor is that old um you know, he he might be supposed to be. It could he could very well be somebody who's supposed to be in his his fifties. He doesn't necessarily have to be somebody in his sixties. Right, right. Um, and in which case, if let's say he's fifty two instead of sixty two, um, yeah, then that's fair. Then yeah, then he
3: had the job well, 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 when he was fair. in his his early thirties. I mean, you you guys are right that it's fair whether he's sixty two or not, and he has a fifteen year old daughter. But uh, percentage wise, you're right. Right, if he, if if we're assuming the character's supposed to be fifty two, percentage wise, it's most certainly uh, not as out. But I of see
2: what you mean. In that time period, it seems a little out of place. I understand that too.
3: Yeah, and, and again, that, that was just a nitpick. It had nothing to do. It was just something I noticed. I kept on. I had to rewind it a few times, saying, "Is, is this his daughter, or is this just like his grand?" I, I couldn't understand it because he just seemed too old for the role. But again, it's it's not a big deal. Um, so, what? what yeah, what you would, what, let's talk, continue talking about this uncle, uh, you, Mike. You, you had some good points there. What, uh, what, what further things did you want to add about the uncle?
1: Well, I mean that's that was basically it. That's the information we have, and he is very much what he what he seems to be.
3: Um, what type of work does he do? Because did, 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 uh, I, I kind of may have missed that.
0: Well, he's he is part of. a – I mean, we see him in the books in the bookstores, so he might be. Well, well, yeah, he's a travel guide person. Right? He's a I tra- mean, I don't know. travel guide. Well, he and Atticus's father traveled together a lot for that guide. You know, and that's, I think that's some of the story, like some of the, uh, the, the background that we, that I remember reading about, uh, going through in the book was, you know, we, we see some of the background between the two because like some of the stories they had is because they were doing research for the guide, you know, and that's when they got into, you know, trouble here and there, but, um, but so, I mean, the uncle was, you know, and even in the show, he was kind of mentioning how he and Atticus's his father, would you know travel around doing doing work for the guide. But when we, one of the times we meet him, we see him is in the bookstore. So he either he either works, you know, for working on the guide, and he probably works or is a partial owner of the bookstore.
3: Right, that's a fair point. Yeah, that could be possible. You know. He, 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 either way, he's he's kind of well to do, I think, right? For 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 uh, the house that he lives in, and, and it was the same time. I, I don't get the of,
1: sense he's well to do because his wife has to go to work making pies. Right. Uh,
3: yeah, well, yeah I, but, I, but I think I think, I think he's
1: comfortably a... middle class, which is pretty good for a, um, uh, maybe a black character in that than that uh, actually, you know in that My, time period?
3: You're, you're all right. That's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. When, when I I guess I'm I'm, semantically. Agreeing with you, and I just saying it wrong, which is he's he's, he's steady, strong, middle class. I guess is how I should have. Pre- and, and and when I was saying well-to-do, I was that was what I was thinking, which was exactly what you said, Mike. So well, it's a I semantical think, mistake. Know, like, I
0: comparatively make. speaking, with some of the people, some of his neighbors, he might be better off than them. But
3: um, I mean, he has a nice car, right? That's a damn good car. That's expensive well, car.
0: But the whole point is, is that he is. I mean he's he he does he does well for himself but um you know I mean he I mean comparatively speaking to some you know some other people around you know he's he's not as um you know like you said well to do but uh he's he gives the look he's gonna of, work, like the rest Well of he's work. got he's got the look of respectability like the people around him respect him you know, they like him, they they, speak, they they talk well of him, you know, it doesn't look like he's got people in the neighborhood who, you know, oh you know, look down on him. Actually, they look up to him because they realize what he does and they appreciate what he does. And, you know, nobody except the uh, except for Atticus at one point, you know, actually berate him or talk down to him.
3: Yeah, all right, that's that's a good point. Yeah, uh, yeah, he he's a uh well-respected uh person in the neighborhood. He's not just um someone that disappears in the neighborhood. It, it seems like that that he he's one uh someone of of note. Someone of note meaning uh um as you basically summed it up, Kevin. So I, I don't have to really repeat that. Uh what do you think, Barrett? Do you agree with Kevin's uh, assumption?
0: Point? One other thing quickly, sorry, one other thing quickly that I noticed about him that I thought was interesting is that when they went to that diner and Atticus and Letitia were pretty much saying, let's just get out of here because they were afraid that something was going to happen. And he pretty much said, you know, let's let's give him a chance. Right. Uh, You know, let's give him a chance. Let's not jump to conclusions. He was, you know, he's willing to try. You know, he wants to. Give them a you know I wouldn't say give them the benefit of the doubt, but he he really wants to
3: think there's good in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's like I said, give him give them a chance. Let's just. See. I mean,
3: you you actually saw read it. Uh, have the book version of that scene? Did he did he? Uh, I mean, let me rephrase it. With with the book version, did they explain it better in the sense that the uncle was looking at it differently in the sense that he was hoping he would get the dignity and respect that any human being should deserve or was he looking at it as uh, I'm going to put salt in your eye type of thing
0: oh no he was I mean I think in the book he also had the attitude of we have a right to be here you know he wasn't trying to be insulting he wasn't trying to be offending he's just saying look I'm hungry and we have a right to be here i really just and he just wanted to he did not think that well obviously he didn't think because if he did think it was going to happen he wouldn't have stuck around but he you know he, he wasn't expecting to uh have to make a run for it you know both in the book and in the show right, right and,
1: but let's also remember who does he say that to right At- he says it to Atticus and, and he doesn't say it he doesn't say it to the to the white people in the
0: restaurant. Well the problem is is that there were no white people in the restaurant because there the, were when he walked in. Well, okay. No, he walked in, he sat down. Right. Like you said, you know, as we know, he walked in, he sat down, but he didn't have the I have a right to be here. He just sat down like, okay, you know, we'll seat ourselves. And in the and essentially in the book as well as is in the show the guy that was on at the bar, you know, eating, finishes, leaves, um, you know, leaves the, leaves the diner, the, the servant, or servant, oh boy, Um, the, the, the guy that works there. The soda jockey. The soda jockey. Soda jerk. Soda Soda jerk. jerk, Right. Soda jerk gets up, leaves, and we don't know what happens until Letitia comes out and said, let's get the heck out of here. Um, and they're like, what? Because what, Letitia in, in, like I said, in the book, as well as the diner, Letitia goes, you know, she says, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom and they're like, okay, where, where on earth is she? And All of a sudden she comes out and she's like, yeah, I just heard them. You know, let's get out.
2: Well, they show her peeking through the the side of yeah. the door and, and you hear a little bit of his conversation.
0: Right, right. But I mean, that's, <laughs> In the book, she talks about, the, in the book, she she, uh, she kind of gets out one of those, she explains it later. She explains what she heard, and Atticus and um, the uncle pr- pretty much say, you know, thank you, and that's about the extent of it. So, I mean, what, what we saw in the show pretty much happened the way it did in the book, except we don't see Letitia, you know, watching. We just know that she did because she explains it later on, saying, hey, this is... <laughs> This is this is why I reacted the way I did. You know, I was right.
2: Well, it helps that they hear a siren in the background too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember if there was a siren right. in the uh, in the book or not. I have to go back. Right. Well, e-
3: either way, when you have uh, someone calling someone of note, whether it's cops or the owner or vigilantes. Uh, and when I say vigilantes, I, I, I say that very loosely because they're vigilantes that want bigotry, not not anything of of goodness. Um, I would state that, yeah, at that point you you would want to get the hell out of there. I would I would think. Uh, well, I really know, like that want... car chase after that. <laughs> a... Well, this is this is a, a big nitpick, and, and again, this may I may have missed something, but there was gunshots that took out the windows. Yet when they go to the brother's house and they then they leave the brother's house of Letitia's brother, everything's repaired. No, when they get when they're leaving, they're picking the glass yeah, out of the back of the, the car. Yeah, they are. Okay, so I, I missed that. Okay, good, good. So that's not a nitpick. So yeah, they just I'll... kind
2: of ignore her getting in the car and they just keep picking the glass out.
3: Okay, so so then then, my, then I guess my second nitpick would be the why did when they why were they when they were. Harassed by the police, they never mentioned anything about you can't. You know, you have glass uh, sh- windows. I don't think
2: that yes, was sir. as big a deal back then as it is now. Like if you were driving around with a window that was gone, now it, you could get a ticket probably, but I don't know about back then.
3: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know either. How, how I don't it? know just, what the. It's it's, it's it's obviously something that that wouldn't be the norm even back then. So you would think, even he if you would have used like, it as if, an he, excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even if they didn't give a ticket, they would ask, "Why do you have no window in the back? What, what, what's what's going on here?" Well,
1: I know there's. I have no idea if this is the case with that model of car, but there were cars where you could roll the window down in the back. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah that's, that's true. Yeah, we, I, we had one of those in the 1970s. Uh, a, uh, uh, a Griswold. What are those those vehicles called that the Griswolds drove? Uh, well the station, Griswolds think, was it was a station wagon, but it was station uh, wagon. Yeah. yeah we, had got, we had one with the station wagon where, where the window in the back could roll down. Yeah. Love back that. In 1970s. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty cool car. It was a Russ colour not the one we had.
1: Um yeah, I mean I think one thing though is that the with the uncle is that he's smart enough to know what who to so this was my point, who to say what to. Right? So he, he's he's walks in confidently in the restaurant. He's under the impression the restaurant is a safe place.
0: Yes. Right.
1: And when he's safe, he vents to Atticus. He does not vent in front of the white customer or the white soda jerk. Right? He presents himself as a straight up standing citizen. And part of that could also very well just be the, you know, sort of the Jackie Robinson thing is that you have to know how to present yourself in order to not make yourself worse right make any any problems worse but notice like when they get pulled over by, not pulled over but accosted by the um by the sheriff later in the episode he doesn't give him the attitude that Atticus does
0: right well that um, that's that's what i was talking about actually from the book um because it was i think it was the brother um remember i was talking about the whole uh, there's been a misunderstanding that was yes. the... That was the brother who said that from the flashback. The brother was the one who knew how to talk to the officer. And it was the father who said, you can search our car if you want. And that's when, you know, and the brother was brother would not have said that because he knew, Okay, that that that's not going to go over well. So, yeah, the brother is a little bit uh, wiser, if you will.
1: Right, and, and he's usually, wiser because he has two broken kneecaps. Yes, yeah,
3: exactly.
0: Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, he learned, unfortunately, for having to learn it that way. Or right, right. to learn that lesson at all. you yeah, right. know what you're trying
1: to say. It's just... It sounds bad but yeah we got yeah,
3: you. yeah 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 no matter what you say it's, it's No no
0: it's I, w- I want to make sure I, yeah we, we know what you mean. We what you mean. That, well you may but I'm just hoping the listeners do as well. It's like yeah I don't want uh I don't yeah, want the a, plates coming into dark discussions uh you know saying that you know the brother got what he deserved I mean the brother did not get did not deserve that whatsoever. No and, right, but, right, the, and but the and reality is I don't, I don't, is, like,
3: I don't like, yeah. for, for folks that are listening uh when what uh Mr. Let's Means is
0: Oh, thank you for a, using my last name. Thank yes, you very
3: a, much. A a <laughs> travel guide to Lovecraft Country, the podcast, which is an affiliate and part of the umbrella of the Dark Discussions Network, which is darkdiscussions.com and dark discussions at AOL dot com. Now go ahead, Mike. Sorry about that. I had to do the little advertisement. Sorry about that.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, so anyway, yeah, he 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 learned a hard lesson and that this is something that sometimes pe- people get very strident about what they would have done under these circumstances or and and you know if I was around then, you know, I wouldn't let somebody talk to me that like that. And it's very easy to say that when you still have two good knees. Um there is a reason why uh it took so long for there to be progress, and I'm not approving it of any way, shape, or form. Um but there was only so much that people could do, and how they could do it. You know, they they there were legitimate restrictions because they were afraid for their wives. Yes, they were. Yep, and, um, and I think, and that's and that, that I think is something that is good about this is, you know, you have heard complaints about, or certainly I have the um, the white savior films, things like you know, Dangerous Minds, maybe, um, where it's telling oh, sure. the story about yeah. the minorities uh, populations through the eyes of the white person who comes to help them. And those are legitimate stories, right? The, in some cases, you know, you look at the, uh, story of, uh, the officer in glory, you know, it was, you know, and, and they, they, I've seen people complain, well, why is it Matthew Broderick's story? And you now Denzel Washington's story, it's well because the, the writings they had were the general, were or, or whatever it's the officer's writings. It was his writings that they adapted into the film. But I also understand that, yes, there are legitimate points of view. And this is this telling the story point of view completely from the the perspective of the black characters. And so speaking as a white person, you know, it is giving me a perspective that I otherwise maybe wouldn't necessarily get. Right. I get um, having gone through the scene on the bus. um, I very much get the feeling of ease that you get with um, Atticus when he's in a black neighborhood. Uh, that when you have uh, the sense of the the white cop who's turning off the fire hydrant, you know, is someone who doesn't really belong in that neighborhood Um, and he's intruding on it. And you can, and you can, and you, you get that sense. And a lot of this, um, you know, uh, we've seen like stranger things, stranger things, you know, has that other world, right. The, the upside down, Right. well, here the other world is it is a couple of things they're two they're people living in the same world but different realities. you have the white people world and you have the black world you know you have the scene uh as they start off on their journey and there's the shot of the line of uh of blacks looking i guess it was an unemployment line or or whatever it is underneath the poster of you know the the uh talking boasting the how wonderful the way of life is in the united states you know with the norman rockwell white family on the sign you know and you do get two different histories two different perspectives and when the um freeman family finally makes it to artem and are confronted by uh by sheriff hunt you're like, oh, right, they they have entered another world, right? Suddenly their world has become much more dangerous when they get to the diner. And you see the, the way the white family's looking at them. Or they're at the gas station. You get the jackass making the monkey noises at them.
0: Right. um, Because he's eating a banana. Because he's
3: eating a banana. Yeah, um, see, I didn't even get that reference until you guys mentioned it. it I was wondering, I, I was just like, what the hell's going on? And, and yeah, it's the banana. I, I didn't even, I was, I'm that clueless. Well, it's I,
1: also I, calling...
3: Um,
0: that was there, are, there, are,
1: there are ethnic slurs calling a black person a monkey or a gorilla. Yeah. It's it, it, right. an makes, ethnic slur. I, had, right. I didn't that, pick up that he was I, eating a banana until after, until like he threw the banana peel at him later. Yeah, that's that's when I got it too. Um, I got but that's it. what it's, I just thought he was doing it because, oh, look, here's this, here's the, you know, here's the monkey from Africa. I thought that's what he was doing. And then, oh, and he was eating a banana. I missed that. Um,
0: yeah, actually they, they talk they, they do that in the uh, in the book as well and it's kind of interesting because you get it because Atticus talks about it saying oh man why the heck did I eat this banana because he knew the minute he saw him he's like oh yeah why did why, I do this you know he's kind of kicking himself for doing it when he obviously shouldn't have to but um, yeah that was how that went sure sure
3: um continue Mike, what you were saying. Or was that or you...
1: No that, that was about it. Um but so and then of course, or actually and then the flip side to that too is then the other other world you're dealing with then is the 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 Lovecraft world. And that's yeah. the world that they enter into at the very end of the episode. Right. So but unlike Stranger Things, where it's a more legitimate or uh, sorry, more literal crossing between realities and different dimensions, here it's just all people living in this literally in the same plane, but still believe different things. And to even the point um that you have the sheriff like saying with the monsters in front of him that there are no there is there's no such thing as monsters, even though he's just seen the monsters, seen one of his uh colleagues get his head bitten off by a monster, the other one's got a chunk bitten out of his shoulder. Um clearly there are monsters but he's still well i love that scene because now it's the monster it. too the sheriff's the monster too well yeah and notice <laughs> like with that. the act- with the actual monsters uh first of all the monsters themselves i think maybe might be a reference uh again to princess of mars because in princess of mars you have the and they're, they're supposed to be shagas which they mentioned 15 minutes earlier in the episode um okay even though they don't really just fit the description of shagas as blobby things. Uh, they do have all the eyes and they show you several closeups of the eyes. Uh, but in the, 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 the John Carter books, there are, uh, these four armed white apes. Yeah. And they, now he does have like two smaller arms under its the chest and these monsters are white. So I'm wondering if that was a specific call out to the white apes, from, oh, that's the a prince, point. from princess yeah. of mars so that's yeah. one. but the more obvious thing is these are white monsters <laughs> you yeah, know right. it's not a coincidence that they're white they're not black monsters they're white monsters you know the episode is called sundown right and so that is a clear reference to sundown towns or in this case sundown county um and the danger of being a black person in certain places at night um and so and from white monsters like sheriff hunt
3: right yeah and and uh the, it, this is this takes this part is in massachusetts in a fictional county called devon county um which i assume is supposed to be the county that would be between worcester and boston massachusetts so that would be central east Massachusetts which um doesn't actually exist. Uh th- this is the area that uh, Skerrigan took place in like uh f- where, we, where we uh not Springfield but the Framingham version. Yeah. Um and this doesn't exist in real life. Uh I get because when they showed the map and uh of Massachusetts uh, I said hey there's Melrose, there's Chelmsford, there's Carlisle, there's Lowell, you know all this but it was cool. But uh, what happens is when they flee Devon County, which is the scene that Kevin referred to earlier, that was actually a flashback that they gave to Atticus, Letitia, and the uncle, is you got to go north to escape the county. And, and um, they head north, and when they head north, which is only like two miles, um, they enter Worcester County, which is uh, Worcester, Massachusetts is the big city in Worcester County, and, and it's a... Uh, third biggest city in New England um, that part of the story um, was where I guess it was a setup right I mean this was a setup by the the, the cop who we, we get an earlier glimpse at the cop because uh, the brother has a folder about the cop um, when he was doing research about uh, Devon County and the the area that the father, Atticus's father disappeared, that this guy is a really, really bad civil rights violator. Um, And especially in Massachusetts, where, as Kevin mentioned, he figured the North would be less racist than the South. I mean, the Crow laws weren't there. I mean, even in the show, they, they show this where they give the finger to Kentucky because Kentucky, even though that was a border state, not North or South, it followed the Jim Crow laws. And when he got to the North, he feels he's going to be a little better. But again, when he gets to the North and he's in Illinois, Southern Illinois or Indiana, he still has to walk with the lady after the bus breaks down because they're not going to be driven to the, to the bus station, like the white folk. And when they make it to Massachusetts, this, segregationist sheriff of Devon County basically sets the black folk up because he says, yeah, if you get out of the county before sundown, and the name of this episode is called Sundown, by the way, um, you'll be okay, meaning Worcester County doesn't have these unwritten rules that if you're black and it's after sundown, you're going to be arrested. Um, but again, it was a setup because it appears he called the Worcester county cops as well am i right to or did i get that right or they were already there and waiting and
2: they, it was a total well, setup to get them to go that way
3: well well and you would think the cops had to be worcester county cops because they're in worcester county at that point except the segregationist scumbag sheriff from devon county is there as well uh, gets involved too meaning he he must have he must have called the worcester county folks in advance right well, or I don't people. I just don't know.
1: Yeah, I think he probably well, whether it his people or, or, or across the border people, um, he had the time. He had about five minutes to say, "Hey, get over there." You know, he just stumbles across the Freeman family. He doesn't know they're there, right? Because otherwise, I'm sure they would have said something about you know the cop who had been dr- driven by there before. You know, he just kind of stumbles upon them, right? Right, uh, and then lets them go, and what their long-term plan is for them, whether it's to just scare the shit out of them or whether it is to string them up or to try to set them up for, uh, uh, for these robberies or just to, you know, to try to greatly inconvenience them by detaining them for a few days, whatever it may be. Um, we don't, we thankfully never really get a chance to, to find out. Um, I do like the way the actor played the sheriff, uh, that, because he, uh, it really could have over-chewed the scenery, and I, I am always in favor of good scenery-chewing. But he kind of played it very straight and matter-of-fact, um, and not too much of the sneering villain. I kind of like the way the actor delivered it. The, he let the lines and the dialogue and the direction carry the real the, the weight of the situation. Um, but yeah, I think he probably saw it as a target of opportunity. Um, and he's obviously a cruel person who enjoys doing this to people. Well, and they did have robberies,
2: and so they were accusing them of that, um, right?
1: And and I think you must to remember, yeah, um, there were lynchings certainly. Um, there there were no lynchings in Massachusetts in 1950. Um, I know that for a fact. Um, but, um, and the reason I know that for a fact is because the town I live in is where the last lynching happened in north of the Mason Dixon line. Um. And that was well before this time. But black people obviously could be killed, but a sheriff could not go around like indiscriminately killing every black person that was there, whether he wanted to or not, because eventually it would just create too much attention. So that doesn't mean he couldn't have hurt them. It doesn't mean he couldn't have locked them up for something they didn't do. Right. They mentioned this guy has a lot of complaints that people don't tend to file complaints. Um. <laughs> although obviously it could be the family and whatnot. At some point, some he would still have created too much heat, especially because he's a sheriff in Massachusetts. Um, and would say what you will. And I don't know I, I feel what you were saying earlier, Kevin. Uh, racism, obviously, as like I said, in the town I live in right now, I'm well aware racism was a problem in the north. Uh. But it was much worse, still much worse down south. Right. Um, right. <clears throat> and, thing, and it Florida. would have been much harder for him to get away with this.
0: Right. Yeah, and in I think it was much more obvious in the south, where, too.
1: Where maybe it was Alabama or Missouri um, or Florida, right? Because remember, that's, that's one of his first, like, how were things down in Florida? Segregated, right? Um, that was a line from the show. Uh, you know, we, we had a different type of racism in the north it was still racism it was just not exactly the same exact flavor of racism and maybe not as um overt in many cases it was still there you know you still would you know wouldn't necessarily get a good job um you still would have gotten shit if you you were uh trying to date someone of the opposite uh, not the opposite but of a different race and all these other things certainly there would have been problems um so I don't know that he would have murdered them, but he was certainly fucking with them and could have done something to fuck them up badly.
0: Well, sure. so this is also the movie where—I mean, this is also a show where they didn't exactly have to follow history. So, I mean, in the in the show, yeah, he probably could have because it's it's a show. It, it doesn't. It's not a. It's not a historical document.
1: Right, but I also think that they are trying to use it to teach about history. Oh yeah, and to explore history. Oh yeah. Um, so I think they want to be careful about taking too, too many liberties. I think the worst thing a show like this could do is to over-exaggerate the reality, because then what that does is it, it will hurt their argument. You know, when you say, "Well, there were no," let, let's say, for instance, that there were no such thing as sundown towns. So there were, but let's say there weren't. Right, then that would just get the people who want to deny racism or deny these aspects of of their past of our past it would give them ammunition that they don't that you don't want to give them
0: right, so I agree with that, I agree with that
1: so I don't think they're gonna you know like I, said, I don't think they' want to make it look like um for the things that happened to these guys, these characters in a, about a forty eight hour span, I'm going to say is is. More than most people dealt with necessarily within a forty eight hour span, it is not necessarily something that they never would have dealt with at all um, sure yeah, yeah, but that's sure. and and but that but you you can compress events and and in fiction and not really have a problem with it as opposed to inventing issues completely out of whole cloth and again, I think just the fact that it's in Massachusetts um and I and I know that they are going down south for later episodes, so um, that may change it, I, at least I believe they are, um, that may change things even more, right? You want to be able to crank it up a notch. You don't want to start the show with the most absolute worst racist place on the planet, episode one, because then you can only get better from there. Sure, sure,
3: yeah, that's true. Um, now let, let's talk about that. So basically, they're in Massachusetts.
2: Uh, well, hold, Devin on. County. Well, hold on, I want to go over a scene that we've kind of jumped over, which is the car chase scene. And we have something kind of
3: interesting oh, happening ca- during that, yeah, that's going to happen. Uh, it's going to be play an important role in episode two.
1: Oh, the, the car chase, by the way, um, this could be entirely my imagination, but with um, her running out of the bathroom and, you know, it's saying we got it. it just reminded me of, of Jurassic park of like when they're running out of the woods and the T-Rex chasing after them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That was like the first thought I had in my head. And then you did get the scene later with the flares that also just conjured Jurassic park up into my head. I don't know if that, I don't know if that was intentional or not, or that was my imagination. I do think there was the scene with the truck barging at the end. That felt like a call-out to Lost Boys, and obviously The Cabin in the Woods being a call-out, I'm sure, to Evil Dead.
3: Right. Yeah, yeah, These, these are, that's a good point, Mike. Uh, I, I would say, based off of um, uh, what we saw here, that they're definitely going to do a lot of nods to other great horror novels and movies and television shows uh, from past, there's no doubt. Um, and I, I could see those as, as specific. Uh, I didn't catch them when – I mean I saw them, but I didn't catch that reference that they may be implying. But I, I would agree that, that that is there after you mentioned it, Mike. That's that's a fair point. And, and, and the f- people that are running the show, whether it's J.J. Abrams, Jordan Peele, or uh, Misha Green, I think her name is, um, th- you know that these folks are definitely – um, fans of genre and horror and science fiction so i'm sure they've, they're they well uh, well educated in in those films and those novels and and so yeah uh, a wink and a nod yep fair point um now let's talk about what you were bringing up barrett which is yeah, so there's the, the a this is the first supernatural part of the, the movie right here. This part. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, aside from what you see in his dream, but yeah, it. Um, well, the street game, I, I still, it was a dream, but this is yeah. real. This is yeah, this is game. real. They're getting chased, and those guys are shooting at them, and you're not sure if they're going to get away. And then there's a uh, another road that's kind of intersecting with theirs, and there's a silver car moving very quickly, and they all but converge. This and this
3: is, I think, I think it's a Rolls Royce. Um, yeah,
2: it's a really nice car. And so they converge and the silver car gets in between them and the silver car at at some point turns in front of the truck and the truck, before it even hits the silver car, goes flying into the air. And everybody in there appears to die (laughs) because it's a pretty bad accident.
0: And that happened in the book. But we didn't see the woman stepping out.
2: Ah, Yeah, so we see a woman, a blonde woman, step out, and that's all we see of her, is her looking at them as they continue on,
0: escaping. And we have our first white person who's actually nice. Wow. Maybe. We don't know. (laughs) We don't know that. We don't know what her motives are. Well, okay, how about this? We have our first white person who actually did them a kindness.
2: Yes. Maybe. A favor? How about a Maybe. favor? Maybe, Maybe. Well, we don't know what they're going on to, so it could be like worse fate—a <laughs> fate worse than death. So we don't know.
3: Yeah, we don't know. Yep. yep. Um. Uh, all right, so oh, this woman is, is like gorgeous, and and actually, the actress that plays uh, the role is someone that of note in horror. Uh, Movies uh, and such. Uh, her name is Abby Lee, and uh, Abby Lee uh, was in one of my top 10 horror films of the year uh, just a couple of years ago. I think it was uh, 2018, Elizabeth Harvest. She was the lead actress in that film. And then she was in another top 10 horror films of the year uh, when, when we did our Dark Discussions top 10 uh, in 2016's The Neon Demon. She was one of the stars in that film as well. And uh, she's an Australian actress. Uh, and is a a well-known, actually, supermodel that uh, has has gone into acting. Uh, So, yes, she is going to play an important role uh, in the future of this show, specifically Episode 2, based off of uh, the trailer for Episode 2. And she's listed in the main credits. So her character is going to be someone of very – importance to the show uh her character's name is christina brathwhite and it says she's the sole daughter of the leader of a secret order known as the sons of adam
0: it's interesting because in the book the soul uh it's a guy oh
3: oh oh oh, the 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 character in the the book is a guy the soul, the leader, uh, the soul yep. daughter of the leader. It's actually the soul son in the in yeah. the book. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. How about that.
0: Just FYI. Yep. Yeah. No, that's, I
3: that's don't interesting. Think, I,
0: it, I don't think it's good. I don't think it makes much of a difference. Um, and uh, Atticus, uh, if if he does in in the in the show what he does in the book, it's going to be it's going to be fun it's going to be fun.
3: Sure. Sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Very good. Very good. Mike, uh, Barrett, myself, and uh, Kevin have discussed this character th- that we only saw a s- quick glimpse of. What was your opinion of this scene and the character? We saw a glimpse.
1: <laughs>
3: That's all we did. Yeah. Uh, um,
1: I mean, Clearly, there's something supernatural going on. We see the the car not hit the other car, and flip over. Yep. Um So, and and you know, it, and I imagine there's some idiot out there on Facebook saying how terrible the effect was because you could see there was clearly no impact. They didn't even come close to hitting each other. <laughs> I promise <laughs> you, point. you know, like it was a bad punch on a, by a stuntman. Um, I promise you, that's somebody saying that. Uh, because some people are freaking morons,
3: right? Right. Um, but yeah, I uh,
1: yeah, I, I it can't all be wonderful things for for a number of reasons. One, it's episode one. You're not having introducing this thing in a in a Lovecraft story, and having them be wonderful people that are going to solve all their problems. And number two. They're white people. They are the whitest white people you could possibly imagine. You might even go so far as to say they look like Swedes. Um, Norwegians. In, in, a, in a story that is obviously very much hinging on issues of racial tension. So they are going to be presenting themselves certainly as friendly, as family, or what have you but there will almost certainly be something sinister following up on it.
3: I would consider that, yeah. Uh,
1: what else? Um, uh, it, it does mention um, something about that with the father, right? That the father was taken away in a silver car. A woman in a silver so the car.
0: Father went in voluntarily, and that's what got uh, especially Atticus surprised. He says because the guy, when Atticus uh, hears about this, he says, and it says, "Oh yeah, you know, we got into a car, you know, with a white guy." He goes, "He did what? Uh, he was not expecting, you know, his father, who's who's, you know, a, a pretty much bitter against." white people understandably so but you know he was very bitter against them and he's, it's like what he actually got into this car voluntarily and he you know didn't really raise any objections and the you know, and the guy says no no he didn't it's like they, they acted like they knew each other interesting so, right, and, this, find, and, oh,
1: and and this is going to tie into the mother's heritage and we don't know anything I don't know anything about the mother I may have missed it um that there's some family secret with the mother with mrs freeman uh and and that seems to be where a lot of the story is going i know they're going to see the father in probably two episodes um because that's the michael k williams role and we see him in a photograph and he signed on for eight episodes on a 10 episode series i think so we'll probably will see him starting in episode three and who is this again the the father
3: oh yeah right yeah spoiler winning. Indeed. <laughs> um Yeah. Oh. Uh, we'll Sorry. find out next no, I was just gonna say we will find out next uh episode what's going on there. So I guess we can get into our final scene uh of 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 the episode. Uh Mike, you you the one that felt it was the strongest. Uh I, I I did I liked it, but I don't I don't know if I was scared and, and I felt the C G I was very Van Helsing like. Uh that movie from wasn't you oh, know, I thought I mean, the T V show. I but, thought
1: the CGI was much better than, than what you got from Van Helsing, but I think it was just directed well. Uh they tended to keep the monsters on the periphery and you still had the white racists in this in the cabin with the shotgun. Um You did.
3: Yes. You did.
1: Um but the other thing to remember, like, is there was a scene before this so the first scene we see with George, he's in bed with his wife, uh, Paula and they're talking about his travels. And then she says, well, maybe I can go next time. And shortly before this scene, he calls her up and says, hey, how about next time we go together? So it is kind of resolving this. I don't want to say conflict because it wasn't a conflict between them, but it was um, – But it was an issue between them at the beginning. And so we're resolving it. And whenever you see something like that happen, hey, let's have a nice, wonderful recap to our relationship. That's usually a signal flare that one of them is about to die horribly. And since Apollo was nowhere to be seen for the rest of the episode, it felt to me like this was the, the end for George. Interesting. And... That's why I was I one of the reasons I could have some suspense there, because I, they were clearly not getting rid of uh of Atticus or Letitia. Um, they they were yeah. hanging around, yeah. but George, especially since I knew uh Michael K. Williams is coming in as the dad in a couple of episodes, that could vacate the older black man part if they wanted to do that.
2: Yeah, I, I was in, in the same mindset. I, I thought he had the possibility of dying.
0: Well, um, so yeah, um, I, I, I I didn't think he was going to die because he didn't die in the book. Wow, well, that's different. So
3: yeah, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't think he was going to die either because he, he was listed in the main cast, and I didn't think it was going to be a Drew Carey—I mean, a, a Drew a Drew Barrymore type of thing from Scream, but. I don't know. Uh, so I, I guess I was the only one. I was like Kevin. I, I didn't expect a, a death uh, at that point. But anyway, uh, continue, Mike.
1: Right. So I just thought it was well staged. I thought it was well done. Um, I thought it was well directed. I thought it was you know, fairly frantic. Um, like I said, I think you got sudden these, these three quick in succession, but I felt were homages um, with the flares recalling Sam Neill in Jurassic Park with the, the cabin in the woods, obviously uh, being the, the the cabin in the woods in every horror movie ever, but most <laughs> famously, Evil Dead. Um, and then the scene, because they have called them vampires, right? Um, even though they're not vampires. Uh
0: they're they they comparing them to vampires. But, right.
1: Um, and so, you know, what happens to the vampire? Oh, and obviously the call-out, the Dracula call-out, you know. Um uh, the children of the night, what music they make! Um, mm-hmm. The uh, the pickup truck, the, the the station wagon bursting through the wall, you know after you know, after the honking the horn, um, felt to me right out of Lost, the ending of Lost Boys. Right, right,
3: right. A couple of things. I don't know why they didn't give Letitia the the flashlight. I felt that kind of was gla- glazed over a little too easy. You, I don't think the they cops already knew to let him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the cops weren't going to give it to her cuz they wanted it for themselves.
3: Yeah, yeah, all right, that's fair. Yeah, the cops yeah, are fucking morons fair.
1: here. Um they really were. <laughs> yeah. Um we're not going to let you go because you could just leave us here so we're going to let her go. You know, the idea that the guy is going to leave behind his girlfriend and his uncle yet the girlfriend's not going to leave the two of them behind. I find weak, Um, weak logic, Um, you know, but as soon as she leaves, he said, he he takes, he said, just in case you're right, he grabs and takes the flashlight away from, uh, from George. Um, Part of me feels like this was, uh, I don't know. It may have been, you know, the fact that they, they, they are, they are trying very hard not to make the, female characters in genre shows now the the damsel in distress, you know, so they need to show her uh, doing something to contribute to the rescue. And I'm wondering if this is a way the writers solve that issue here.
3: Right, right.
1: It It was to give her more agency and make her a more direct participant. Yeah. As opposed to, too, just yeah. you know, just kind of sitting there and screaming.
3: Right. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a fair point. Uh, anything else anybody want to bring up about the scene? This is a pretty big, important scene, though. It's it's mostly action. Uh, what would you guys think the monsters have to do with this part of the film? Why are they suddenly appear? Are they following Atticus? I know, Kevin, you said this scene didn't even
0: happen in the book. Yeah, not. Yeah, so, I mean, there there wasn't a cabin in the woods, but there was a there was a chase. Um, essentially, what happened was is that instead of I think we had four share you know, four police officers. I think there were two, <clears throat> and they were um, there were. You never saw the monsters. You just saw. You just heard them, and you heard like a guy kind of like disappear. It's like, hey, where do you go? Where do you go? And we both, uh, you know, pretty much both of the, the officers disappeared, you know, got eaten. And that was, and I'm just, I'm trying to remember now how they managed to make it to the mansion. Cause they did not, uh, cause in the book, they, they did not make it to the mansion on foot. They escaped the monster, got into their car and left and, they essentially they then they found the mansion, but to have to, I have to admit I like the that's way they did it in in this story. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, scene. I mean
3: I mean that's by well I'll tell you one thing. Um, though though I I like the first half even better than than this last mm-hmm. scene. Um, most people who are tuning in to this film, or I should say the show, um, were there for the Lovecraft, the monsters, and the science fiction and the horror. So when you get that three-minute or five-minute intro dream, which is kind of cool, to have no real supernatural except for for the Rolls-Royce incident, you can see that People baby like what's going on here. So at changing it up, where you actually see the monsters from the book, it kind of does make sense because obviously we want to see the monsters. I mean, me and Mike, you, you know, we did an episode on Dark Discussions podcast that hasn't been released yet called Skyman, which was a pretty good film, and and you you felt it was decent too. But the money shot of seeing the monster never really happened in that film. And most people who are probably watching Skyman were there to see the monster, which happened to be the alien gray. So if they didn't show the monster here in Lovecraft Country in the first episode of a 10-episode season, that may have possibly turned people off. What do you think, Mike?
1: It's a visual medium. I think you have to show stuff um, when you can. And Lovecraft, it's easier to get away, I think, without showing something when you're in something written, because you can show, as Lovecraft often did, you can show parts of things or partially describe something, or um, you can let the description do a lot of the work for you as to the other, to to horrify you without actually describing the creature itself. Um, You can, you know, like... um, and describing what a person looks like after they've had their head bitten off, or you know, describing you know the the sound. But when you're dealing, I think with a visual story, it really helps to be able to see the image. And given the way that this ends, it, it really you know how important the creatures are to this. This isn't just like they hear something around them, you know, that they went this full utter carnage. Um, I I think it's good that they show it. I have a feeling they're going to be showing a lot of stuff as this goes along, I don't think this is gonna be um you know ten weeks of shaggaths. I think they're gonna be shaking it up and we're gonna be seeing different things. You know, they mentioned um Reanimator in this episode, right? When they when he mentions Arkham, you know, he says, you mean the uh Reanimating Dead and Herbert West.
3: You know, so it wouldn't surprise me to see yes. something like that. And that that was a that was a good Thing they brought that up because a lot of people who are watching this show may have never read Lovecraft, but most of the people who have watched this sh- that are watching this show that are not tweens have probably seen all the the uh, Gordon Lewis horror films based off of Lovecraft, which was the Herbert West films, and so I think they added that quick at the beginning of the the show for those fans of Lovecraft through his movies who haven't read his stories. But that's that's just a guess by me. Um, but it's a good reference because, I mean, if they used his other works like Colorado Space and not, well, let me rephrase, not Colorado Space, they just made a movie out of that, but but Whisper in the Darkness or, or, or the case of Charles Dexter Wood, which myself, Kevin, uh, are very familiar with uh and you too barrett are very familiar with and we we love those stories but a movie fan who knows lovecraft would have no idea what those are because they've never made movies really of those there, um, are, and, there well, even though i know the
0: Dexter ward ones including one from vincent price i'm hoping to watch but
3: yeah yeah i, I guess yeah you. no there, there, there's you know what i'm talking about there yeah there, there isn't a movie that's specifically said the child the case of child Dexter Ward, for example um or that's mainstream so such as the beyond and uh reanimator which are fairly well known uh for, in horror fan circles um all right so uh i guess uh let's discuss what we thinks going to happen next week um i, I think uh, it's going to go into real uh dark fantasy mystical realism because there's this, there's going to be this cult that's supernatural i think um, so I think the, the show is not going to be, um, I guess in the quote unquote real world in a sense, in other words, it's going to be more fantastical than horror. So you,
0: um, well, I mean, I have a feeling, I don't know if we're going to see the father in the second episode or in the third, I have a, uh, I have a feeling we're probably going to get some more background about um, the history and we're probably going to find out pretty much why everybody's at this, this big mansion in the first place. Um, I think we're going to get some answers, but just enough to to bait us along to, you know, want to see, you know, what continually what's going to happen. I, I think uh, Atticus is going to, discover stuff about his path, uh, stuff about his lineage that, uh, will probably be significant if you will. Um, and they will trying to think of what else really, but, uh, yeah, Atticus is going to realize he's going to be, he's playing a bigger role in things. Maybe, maybe a mission. I re- actually, I really don't know about. Uh, I mean, my guess is he's gonna discover that uh, he's he and his family are on a on a mission, or maybe even his uh, yeah his family are on this mission to do something. Par- probably why he's gonna start traveling around, not just for a book, but maybe to fight off Cthulhu monsters. I really don't know, but that's kind of my guess. But I look forward to it.
3: Oh. Mike, what about you? What do you think? It's gonna, where it's gonna go uh, next week. Don't know. I'll let him tell me. All right, very well. Uh, what about you, Burr?
2: I have no idea either. I I kind of agree with you. I think it's going to be the fantastical, which with Lovecraft, I kind of see as science so advanced that it appears to be magic to us. Um, we're going to see kind of the beginnings of a cult, you know, in the mansion and we're going to get a little more history and it's going to bait us along to get further into the story.
3: very very well um let me ask you one thing mike before we we wrap it up uh do you feel that the show is going to be similar to american gods the show time i mean uh, the star well the reason i'm asking you this mike is we have a character that is pulled into a mystical world whose lineage may be more than he thinks and he's going to play a part in this mystical world that's why i'm asking this question.
1: okay like that yeah i suppose um i don't think it's going to be quite to the same degree um and i think you're dealing with neil gaiman who generally writes fantasy versus hp lovecraft who writes horror so i think the tone is going to be very different
3: sure sure although this is mike huff my, my, it's awesome. my right, master, but he's my brother, but he's using Lovecraftian lore, which
1: is horror, right? He, he's yeah, as yeah, opposed to yeah. you know Neil Gaiman, who was tapping into uh, Norse mythology and mythology in general, which is leaning into the fantastic.
3: Right, right, That's fair, very well. Um, all right, so I guess we we can. Wrap it up. Uh, we'll just get our final thoughts uh, quickly. Uh, Barrett, why don't you give your final thoughts of uh, episode one? I really
2: enjoyed this episode. Um, I was trying to not expect anything of it. Cause whenever I do that, I usually get disappointed, but I was definitely not disappointed in this instance. Um, I liked how it led into the characters, let you learn about them and then kind of moved into the fantastical the further along you got I thought the um camera work was great, the acting was great, the script was really well done. Um I, I gave it a thumbs up. I thought it was really awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with it.
3: Right. All right, very good.
0: Um what about you, uh, Kevin? Yeah, I'll echo a lot of what Barrett said. Um it was a it was a very it was a good show. Um wasn't dull in the least and definitely looking forward to seeing the next episode.
3: All right. We're good. Uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed it a lot too. I think it's uh it looks like it's going to be a pretty solid show. Um, and it will expand my horizons into more of a uh, dark fantasy, mystical realism uh, or fantastical rather than, and, um, the dark, straight dark horror that we, we see in a Lovecraft uh, story, a novella. Again, this is just my perspective. I, I may have a different definition of what mystical realism and dark fantasy is than, say, Mike Barrett or Kevin. Uh, but uh looks like it's uh, pretty solid so far. So, yeah, I uh, enjoyed it. All right. So, uh, once again, this is, is called Sundown. It was uh, episode one of the season. It came out on August 16. About 750,000 people watched it uh, when it was playing live. And, and uh, the new ep- next episode uh, comes out. Uh, let's see what it's called. It's called Whitey's on the Moon, August twenty-third, 2020. Uh, directed by Daniel Sackheim and written by Misha Green, the teleplay. Or a screenplay. Uh, so, uh, come back next week. We should have a new episode of our podcast on Wednesday. Uh, so, that would be Wednesday the 26th. Uh, and make sure to check out our pre- premiere episode of this podcast, which came out uh, earlier this week. And uh, you can find the podcast wherever podcasts are found, including the, under its own feed or under the dark discussions podcast feed. Um, also again, darkdiscussions.com. Um, email us your thoughts, dark discussions at com. Join us on dark discussions podcast, Facebook group, uh, and give you, uh, jo- or join the, the conversation and, uh, check out our other podcasts and, uh, Twitter dark discussions, one, uh, or Dark discussion one with no S and, uh, also, uh, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Once again, I'll, I'll say it. Uh, email us darkdiscussions at aol dot com, and we will read your email on next week's episode if we get it before next Wednesday when we record the episode. Actually, we're going to record it on the twenty fifth of August. So send your emails to darkdiscussions at aol dot com. And I guess with all that stated, Mike, why don't you let us out? Uh, thank you once again for listening
1: to the Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country. Um, we will be back next week to talk about episode two. Uh, You can also find us on the regular dark discussions podcast page and the dark website, www.darkdiscussions.com where you can listen to this or any of our other sister podcasts. So until next week, thank you once again. Oh,
2: cinnamon, we're going to run to cinnamon. We're going to run to cinnamon. Where you gonna run to
1: oh, On that day I run to the rock Please hide me I run to the rock